Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the Co-Optional Podcast here on the 28th of November, 2017. Yay. Hello. 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 Hi, everyone. We're joined by Hello. a man from the future. Ah. Only by a few hours. When you, make yeah. it sound, when you say that, it makes it sound way more impressive, but... It's a good intro, I think. It is a good, good intro. intro. Like yeah, we don't have many Australians on yeah. the show, mostly because the time difference is ridiculous, but it's not too bad at the moment. It was 6.30 when we did our sound check. And yeah, I, I thought it was because we hated them. It could it's have been. Because, you said, TB, you them. said, yeah. I hate Australians. I believe that's what you I'm said. British. I'm British. I'm like sure. nationally obligated to do that. So <laughs> No, we're not holding Just it against you. We know. Yeah. That's how it His does. Sent our thieves and crooks there. <laughs> ah, yes, uh, to the colonies with you. Ah. So, something along those lines. Yeah, we, we do like yeah. visiting there for some reason, but we're not going to ever admit to liking it. It's because our I weather think... is 8,000 billion times better than your shitty weather. So. Uh, yeah, wow. completely. You get, no, he's totally right on that one. Why do you think I left the country in the first place? It's terrible. That's it. 8% of well, our I... days are overcast. It's awful. I... I feel like the reason that most Americans don't ever visit Australia is because we all we ever hear is that there are gigantic versions of things that we find terrifying. That's just so they keep the assholes out. Having been there yeah. for two weeks, <laughs> like I saw. No, I, I didn't even see a bug. I saw nothing. No bugs. I didn't we see anything. A very very successful asshole reduction strategy in place it is working as intended i can tell yeah that, i showed that, up and they were like one got the through eh? bears and all the pictures of giant <laughs> well exist drop bears they, they look you know they look until the they optimal do. time very dangerous so it's yeah. good that you know about those you should definitely stay away because drop bears you don't yeah. mess with that man everyone Wait, needs I'm, to be aware are you of trying drop bears. to reduce my asshole <laughs> i'm not allowed <laughs> trust me i've been trying to do that for years it doesn't really work good asshole it, reduction policy yeah. also you should all never go <laughs> no Trust me, it, it doesn't work. We, we tried our best. It's understandable. Once the Co-Optional Podcast, we do occasionally talk about video games. Our special guest today is Ralph from the Skill Up channel. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Awesome to be here. Huge Yay. fan for a long time. I remember watching you back in the day when you were doing Blue Please. Do I, I remember my very Don't first... Back in the old days, before we had the videos and the fancy moving pictures... I remember you doing some like Kungan impression where he was at oh, the gym that doing thing. something or whatever. Oh god, that was that was great. Kungan so been... tanks all. Probably the, one of the most successful, it. terrible skits we ever ever did <laughs> that no one would find relevant these days. Kungan, would, he, Kungan that, left that Wow years ago, didn't he? I don't even know Say what again. he wanted to do. Kungan yeah. left years ago. He didn't he try to get into esports in some way? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Can't remember. I don't know what he's doing these days. Can't even remember. Esports. What is the esports? We just don't know. Don't do this. Don't no. do this. Do what? Don't it's remind me of the good old days. Jesse, what are you trying to curb at this point? We're already. <laughs> yeah. It, it is too late. Yeah. Hey, Far too Dukes, late. have you ever just felt like sometimes you're the oldest person on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> I never feel that way. No. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> cool. Just me then? All right. Yes, I'll go back it. to the old folks' home. Yeah. <laughs> Be like. Hey everyone! Remember YTMND? I do. They'll be like, they'll be like, shut up, Grandpa! I'll be like, that's where the memes were. <laughs> that was before they were called memes. No. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh my god! Uh, everybody. E bombs world. Bombs ah. world. When like the term meme started becoming a thing, everybody at my college uh, pronounced it Mimi. I'll never forget. Oh Mimi, yes. 
Yeah, all the memes. All them, them memes. I the like memes. the dog E. <laughs> we were confused by that for a while because that kind of makes sense, right? Doggy. D doggy is, you know, that's already a word. So maybe it was just a different yeah. spelling of it. But no, we no. had to learn it. It was Doge. Doge is like, that sounds mm. French to me. I don't trust it. We don't like the French either. I don't know if you realize that. Yeah. Have you ever had a French guest? Have you ever had a French guest? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Ooh. On purpose. Do you know we're all, we're dirty frogs in here. Um, I have to say yes now because otherwise I'm going to sound like a bad person. But the truth is, I don't. Right. So right. <laughs> I'm really I, I torn just, right. I just Bring am a bad person. Bring all your French to us. <laughs> don't do the that. Counterbalance. Yeah, we'll even take French Canadians, Quebecois. We'll yeah, get on. Exactly. Come join us. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You see, like they're one of the. You know, larger language groups that actually has their own sphere of YouTube and Twitch, and they don't really interact that necessarily with the English France, part of it. France and Japan are very much like we don't need your gross English. And Russia, <laughs> there's a and decent Russia, amount of German yeah. and Russian, right? A lot of Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like we you don't need these, the English like, nonsense now. You go to these publisher events, and they're also like linguistically separated. There's the English speakers over there, the French over there, Japanese, and never shall they meet. Like they just don't talk to each other at all. I'd go over and say hi. I'd be like, hey, hi, I'm American. They'd be like, like yeah, uh, I love you guys. I think you're awesome. Poutine, they'd be like, I don't know why I'd say that to the Japanese guys. That'd be weird, but yeah, that's what I, I do. That, that, that does sound like they'd probably not quite understand where you're um, coming from. Yeah, I cross over to the Japanese side of YouTube to watch competitive eaters and uh, nice. to watch music videos. So that's about that's as far as I go. That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. The only competitor eaters I competitor the only competitor eaters I like are Americans. Thank you very much. Nathan's hot dog eating contest, best thing to watch. It's gross. What do you mean? It's gross. The hot the dog Japanese tsunami was rough. a Japanese man, and he had an extended stomach. Didn't you the watch Japanese the documentary? Man. Yeah, I was going to say, not didn't watch you that because it sounds terrible. <clears throat> I think you guys got consistently whipped by uh, Asian competitors, actually, if I recall correctly. Not That's no true. more. Fixed it. America's back, baby. Number one. We'll stuff anything in our mouths. <laughs> anything. Number one. We're number one. We're number one. <laughs> oh dear. Welcome to the Corruption Podcast. We do occasionally talk about video games. Let's do exactly that, shall we? Can, let's. Uh, sorry. Let's not start. Well, let, you would. Yes, you do whatever you like now. What are you gonna do? What are you saying? You you feel free. You you just you just take over the show from here on. Can in. we talk about Battle Chef Brigade? Yes, we can. Yes. Yay! How many of you have played Battle Chef Brigade? I have played Battle Chef Brigade. Not me. I think I'm in like the final gauntlet of that game, and it's extremely difficult. But the game in general is so precious and great, and I love it. So feel free to explain to the <clears throat> yeah. many people who are probably extremely confused what on earth Battleship so, Brigade could be. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually shocked how many people like are are genuinely you know in the gaming sphere and have never heard of this game. Um, but it's a it's a game where you play a girl named Mina who's been working at her family restaurant for her whole life, and she's like a really good chef, and she dreams of being a battle chef. Um, the world that they live in is overrun with these huge monsters. And for, you know, just for plot reasons, uh, at some point they decided, oh, the best way to take care of these monsters is to have chefs that can go out, kill the monsters, and then turn them into food. To kill them and grill them. Yeah, kill them and grill them. So 
the game has uh, multiple sequences in it. So like when you're in a uh, like a food battle, a shokugeki, if you will, for all you anime lovers out there. If you're in a food you battle, you see, I'd call you a weebo for that, but since that's the only anime series I regularly watch, I that would make say me a colossal can't hypocrite. Because I know you love that show, and I'll call you out for it. Um, when you're in a food battle, it starts off with you going into uh, some kind of like a wilderness area and gathering ingredients, whether that's like killing monsters and grabbing like whatever you can from the corpse, or grabbing plants, or you know, whatever is out there that you can put into uh, these different dishes. Um, <clears throat> you bring them back, put them in your pantry, and then it becomes sort of a match three game. Um, every ingredient is made up of different elements. And uh, so like, there's like, you can make a really spicy dish or you can make a really earthy dish. And, uh, and you have to match them up and make it so that the the flavor profiles are are much greater or much smaller depending on what the person has asked for. Yeah. Um it's a really really fun game with with a story that actually is not nearly as obvious as I thought it was going to be. Um it's it's actually been like an interesting game with really fun characters and I've I've loved it so far. I've played quite a few hours of the game so far i think but i'm definitely at the last part and yeah. holy shit the game suddenly ramps to be extremely difficult i've been playing it on like the hard difficulty because it's i i think that it is a better play experience but yeah, yeah. that sounds awesome i've never heard of that before. actually i've seen the headline but i've never heard any more it's detail than that it sounds really good really good I thought that it was going to be a little a little basic. I thought that they were going to rely on like, oh, well, you know, you're doing food battles and you run out and you grab shit and you come back and you match three and that's the game. Um, but they've actually put like a ton of characters into it. They've put a lot of like like a good little story inside of it. And it's fun. It's a really cool game. It really like the way you describe game. it really reminds me of Golf Story. Did you guys play Golf Story? I, I haven't Golf got Story around I never to it. it. <laughs> Golf Story is like one of my games of the year. It is phenomenal for, I think, so many of the reasons that you've just described, where they take this premise and then they just apply all of these RPG mechanics over the top of it and right. amazing writing and characters and everything. And it just becomes this great, perfectly paced experience. Like, if you haven't played Golf Story, totally recommend it. It is an absolute gem. I've had a lot of people recommend that one, honestly. Oh, it's so good. It's. It, it is i i just haven't got around to playing it and I, I need to do that i still need to fix the i've got some weird problem with my joy cons not syncing properly and i haven't used my switch really since so because it mainly just can't be bothered to fix it but yeah i've heard great things about that and battleship is good as well you know it's a nice combination of what sounds like two fairly simple components but they make sense and work well together i think match three is probably the best way you could do the cooking aspect of it and you even have the idea that as you turn the ingredients around your stirring basically so there's even a That's little bit cool. of thematic uh, element in that like i think it's probably the mm -hmm. best way to abstract it and make it make sense i can't think of another better way of doing that and it does add a level of the challenge because there's actually a lot of planning involved the, because the pots that you can use have very limited space they only have 16 squares if you're not matching things up properly you can rapidly run out of space and since you like you know, your goal is to try and upgrade the gems as high level as you can by combining as many as you can to increase the score and make the dish better 
while avoiding doing things which would make the dish worse you can very like you will have a strategy going in and you can very rapidly fuck it up it's really yeah. easy to do that i found myself like oh god because you know, it's all under a timer i've got 30 seconds left i'm supposed to cook two dishes my other dish is just a fucking mess there's poison in it the flavor profile is completely wrong there's bits of bone that i left in there and it's like i'm just gonna serve it and hope that the other guys was worse uh so yeah. it, that's what makes it good the time constraint and the overall complexity and the amount of planning that you have to do is what makes the match three more compelling than most match threes. Yeah, I actually really enjoy the loadout system um, because, like, when you if you fail at the match and it says like, "Do you want to rematch?" It mm -hmm. throws you directly into your loadout. Yes, and you can choose like <clears throat> items that will help you with going out and grabbing ingredients items that will help you with the actual like cooking process yeah there's um, a bunch of different kinds of cookware that you can use like some will only match a particular color but they'll match two instead of three there's a yeah. slow cooker so that you could just dump a bunch of stuff in and they'll very slowly upgrade it so if you have a longer battle you could equip that and that's probably pretty good mm -hmm. but they all yeah. have drawbacks as well so you've got to be careful is with this, what you pick is this only on steam it's on Switch it's on as well, Steam actually. And Switch. Switch. Yeah. I was gonna say this is the kind of game I want to play on Switch, so that'd be perfect. It's on Switch. Yeah, a lot of out, people yeah. have been playing it on Switch and saying it's yeah. great. Yeah. Awesome. Only, uh, only sort of big issue that I had with it was that this game is begging for a multiplayer cook-off. I mode, agree. And it doesn't have one. It's got the campaign. It's got a daily chef challenge, and it's got a set of in-game challenge missions as well. But it's like, goddamn, was this begging for a split-screen cook-off? Simple as that. And it doesn't have that. I'm like, please add that. Like in a DLC, I, please. I would also love because there are there are three mini games that you can do inside of it to make money so that yeah. you can buy like better items. Um and a couple of those mini games I would actually love to just space out and play for it, like an endless mode. You can. Um if you, you go can? To, yeah, for um for the restaurant mode where you have to quickly match the num uh, match the patterns there yeah, is a my least favorite game. yeah um they don't have a bunch of the puzzle mode but they do have that you can do that endlessly if you like interesting um, but yeah other than that no hmm. it's good have you, beat, it, have you beaten it no i'm on like chapter five of six i think okay well i have to go a bit harder it honestly. gets so <laughs> hard oh my yeah. god it gets so at the like at the end of the game, when they're like, this is going to be extremely difficult. I hope that you've prepared yourself. I'm like, I got this. My <laughs> items are fantastic. And, I'm not worried. And then all. just it all like, falls apart. How the apart. fuck am I supposed to beat this person? It completely <laughs> all so falls hard. to pieces. It's like, oh, God, no. I put the wrong thing in here. <laughs> and like, this, once you put something in the pot, the only way to get it out is either to match it or take it out and dump it in another pot. And that's if you only if you have space. So it's like, ah, this is a complete total yeah, shit show. Yeah, desperately trying to make space, I think, is... Um, it's tricky, yeah. Is, is a tricky part. Yeah, it's a good combo. It's it, it's a good combo. It's a solid indie game. And I think it'll probably do really well on Switch, actually. I think that's... We, we've heard a lot of reports lately of indie games saying, you know what? Switch is a great platform for us. There's still not a huge amount of games. The way they curate their store is good. Like, there's really not that many bad games on the Switch. If yeah. you go to the store, the chances are you're not going to buy something that's utter shit, which is a nice feeling compared to Steam, where, you know, it's like one, 
there are so many games, what the fuck, and two, there is a very real chance that you will end up buying shit. Yeah, true. Yeah. I think it's kind of how I predicted Switch, like, at the end of last year, that it was going to be an indie machine, and it is. It is absolutely an indie machine. It's great at that. Yeah. It's so comfortable. I spend, as a PC yes. gamer, I spend so much time sitting up in my chair. It's so good just to be able to, like, take a oh, great game God, and sit yeah. on my couch. Just amazing. I love it the most. It's the final form of consoles, I swear to God. I want all consoles to be this. Is well, it's it? a level of flexibility, isn't it? Like, totally. it's... As much as I love the PC to death, like there are times when I don't want to be sitting in front of it. Yeah. And I'd absolutely. love to be able to take the game somewhere else. And yeah, the Switch gives you that option. And there was a lot of doubt before it came out that anybody would use it. Like they'd either use it one way or the other. Well, recent surveys, and we actually did our own survey that matched this up, that the majority of users use both modes. Yep. On a I fairly regular sure. basis. So got a minute nintendo was right they foresaw the uh usage habits of people and they were completely on them on the money with that absolutely that's probably even more true in the japanese market as well considering the space constraints and the way the public transport works and things like that over there so good on them for figuring that out it's a good solid machine i like it jesse sound like yes. you got something on your mind what have you been playing this week man uh uh before I get into um, this other game, still playing a shit ton of Total War. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh, you're in. Are you still playing oh, the big map? I am on turn 186 of a Chaos campaign. I literally formed the uh, like darkest army that I could create. I have yeah. multiple Warlord leaders. I have sacked the the tribes of the north yes i did yes. like at one point freaking like gods are sh like zine shows up to fight me and i'm like bring it on bitch and i killed him and I, my guy's like i am the undisputed champion of the gods i'm like murdering people left and right flaw on my plan there was um a bunch of quests appeared for me that were like hey go all the way back up to the far north and fight these uh armies that are there Mm -hmm. because i was like okay i'm not gonna just port there because i'm way down south i want to like i'm gonna take the time research some new stuff like work my way up and have my other armies fight down south yep because my main army went up to the north there was an area of the map i just wasn't focusing on and i allowed the empire to slowly take over ruins so now i have like a multi-war front with dwarves and humans and i think orcs on one side but i don't know who's over there because they keep like like running in and trying to ambush me and then run back and i'm just like i can't it's too much now i'm overwhelmed that Turn happens with chaos I'm overwhelmed yeah it's it, it, you're trying to focus on one enemy at a time as chaos when everybody basically fucking hates you for the most part is pretty tricky you know diplomacy as chaos is difficult you know you could usually keep the undead in maybe like a non-aggression pact at most everyone else is like fuck chaos fuck nope nope the problem yeah. is is that everyone the for about 50 turns everyone was like oh well the empire's on a war march so like let's just declare war so undead declared war beastmen declared war um this one group called bear salon which is just like a bunch of northern men declared war and i was like okay sure yeah man let's fight 
because I was off on the other side of the map. I didn't at all help. It was just like rampaging through this dwarven countryside. Yeah. Everything was fine. I was perfectly okay with what I was doing. I did not realize that they were all being murdered. But in my mind, uh, I sided with a bunch of Norsemen and I killed them. So I like didn't care. I was like, look, all I want to do is create as many ruins on this map as possible and spread chaos. I was like, that's all I want. My main hero has uh, four of four major quests completed. He has all the so best weapons. So all those special game. items, yeah. Oh, he's incredible. I My main army cannot be defeated. The problem is, is that now the enemy has like six armies apiece, like six lords. Yeah. So literally, I'm yeah. just like, oh, well, if I engage with one, and Everyone I win, fuck you I'm up. still down troops, and then they're going to come at me with their other armies. I'm like, shit. Yeah, so now did you wipe like out all the tribes in the north, or did you make some of them vassals? Oh, I, I made some of them, but the problem is is that um, uh, eventually they went to war with each other, so I had to side. And so if, uh, because I just got fed up with them, I wiped them all out. So the north is like just all ruins yeah, and chaos. Yeah, that's a bit of a problem because like in the later game, it's like, I really could use some allies right now. It's like, no, you're chaos. We're not going to do that. Well, what happened is is two of my groups, because they're like raging tribes as well, they just kept pushing south. And then um, this one dwarven city I could not take early game, so I gave up on it, went around and started dominating them at the top. So like, F it. So I went back up the top, killed those guys, came back, and the southern tribes all got killed by the Empire. And I was like, Oops. you can't trust Norsemen. And so I was just mm. like, oh, right now, all I have right now are me and, and Beastmen tribes and my five armies. Can I just tell you, I don't know this guy's name, but I love him. The, like, really vain guy who, when yeah. he does Slash anything, he's prince. like, yeah. bring me my mirror shield. I love that guy. I yeah. love that he has a shield that's a mirror, and I think it's hilarious. And I've been playing. Each turn takes me like 15 minutes now. I'm on turn uh -huh. 186, and I'm just like, I must beat this map. And You're I, never going to. It's massive. It's completely massive. And because there's an ebb and flow of each kingdom dominating certain things, just when I think I've won something, someone else comes right along and screws me yep. over. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> Because I can't take anything. Because when you're chaos, you can't control any land. You no, can't control no. anything. And it's the best you can hope base. for is that you ally with someone who's going to help you. But most of the time, in the end, they just betray you because they're like, oh, you're just savages. We don't want that. And it's like, I will kill you and all your family. Oh, my God. And so you literally are just struggling against all the odds. And it, I'm having so much fun. You, you <laughs> picked one of the hardest factions in the game. Like, There's no doubt about that. This is, but this is literally the third, I played a test game. I played what I did for the video I made. This is the third actual campaign I've ever played of this franchise. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm, I mean, I'm feeling it. I, I, I like the vibe. I like that it has a simplicity to it, especially as chaos where you don't have to like do too much. It's mostly waiting around and like, okay, how do I not fuck this up? Save okay, let's try this. And then like, oh, I've save scummed a few times. I've been like, yes. all right, let's go into battle. Fought, and then like 80 armies approached me. I was like, okay, let's go back a turn. Yeah, we can't so, do that. Yeah, save scum yeah. the shit out of everything in that game. That's the best way to play it. Um. Anyway, another game that I think is really cool and I definitely want to make a video uh, about it at some point is a game called Orwell. Oh, yeah, that came out earlier this year, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I finally got around to playing it. Orwell is essentially a game where 
there's this um, big computer program that monitors everything everyone's doing. And you work as a human researcher and your job is to sift through all the information and discover who could be the source of a terror attack. There was a terrorist attack and they were like, no more. We're not doing this. Like, we're done. We're going to make sure this never happens again. And so it's your job to root out who might be a terrorist, but it's also your job to decide what you share and what you don't share. Right. Because sometimes you can screw over innocent people. But the question is, do you care? Because there could be the potential that they are bad, right? And so you're walking like this very crazy thin line where you're digging through web pages and social media posts and dating profiles and like news, like all sorts of the things that you would see online normally. Yeah, yeah. And you are basically just invading the private lives of people to figure out if they're bad guys. But the thing is, is that um, clearly you're not ever going to have enough information. So what do you do with the information you do have? And mm. sometimes information is relevant and sometimes it's not. But you're like, I need to secure this nation, which I think is I the concept is awesome. It's really cool. It is definitely a game that... Um, makes you question a lot of things and makes you like think through some shit. And the artwork is like fragmented and weird looking and none of it. It's cool. It's, it's a very cool game. I would recommend it. I don't want to talk too much about it because it is spoilerific. Yeah. Most <laughs> of what you do in there is plot relevant. So I will simply, no, not yet. It is okay. on my, like I started playing it and then had a bunch of work to do and then went back to it last night and a bunch of things opened up and I'm like, Ooh, I like where this is going. So yeah, I definitely would. I think it, I don't, it's like ten, eleven, twelve dollars, something like that. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I'm um, curious how long it is. I do not know, but uh, it definitely Sounds has like huh? a Big Brother vibe to it. Yeah, but your Big Brother, <laughs> and then oh, and of course, and I, this is no spoiler, but of course because you're researching people. Guess who's researching you? Wink. So you never know if you're like in trouble yourself for right. what you're doing because there's it's Big Brother. So there's always someone watching you too. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, are you sure you want to be doing that? And, and, and so that goes back to the whole idea of what you say and what you don't say. Because if you say everything, innocent people are going to get fucked. Right. But if you protect people, then it's like, what are you doing? What's happening? So it's very cool. I love everything about it. I love the concept. So if you want to get like weirded out, and have a weird vibe yourself, definitely worth checking out. I definitely really enjoy, and there have been a few of them in the last few years, but I enjoy games where it's like, you're just a normal person who's thrown into the position of having to, to decide if someone is a bad person or not. Yeah. And like, I, I think that that concept is so fascinating when you don't actually get to talk to the person that you're judging. Mm -hmm. like it's <clears throat> Did you play her story? Um, I actually great. have not played her story. Oh, you should, you would love that then. If you're into that idea, it's like, that is what that is to a T. But her story has a definitive, if you get everything, there's a definitive story there. Like, it, it does, yeah. And yeah. I don't think it's open to interpretation, but I think along the way, you're like, I think along the way, it's, it's open to interpretation. For anyone that hasn't played her story, it's this live action these live action clips of a woman being interviewed in a, you know, a police interrogation, whatever. 
and uh, there's a crime that's been committed and you basically need to sift through her interview tapes to try and get to the bottom of it and you're sort of just clicking through things basically and reordering things and that's it but um the way that the story unfolds and what becomes available really your view of this character changes so many times as you're playing and then obviously there is a resolution to the story because there is one ending but the journey that you go on with that character and the way you judge her as you said is just crazy like your your perception of who this person is varies wildly from there's like also who- a perception of you one of the things that i thought of while playing it was like who is the person looking up this footage and the more yeah. you go through there's a possibility of who it could be which i think is interesting and you're like there's layers to this game it's, it's cool true. it's a cool game it is very very good yeah i i waited i actually forgot that game existed i was i was gonna wait to play it because jesse had talked about it so much that i knew a couple things about it and so i was like oh i kind of want to wait until i forget about the things that Jesse has yeah. said so that I go in just like Sorry. as a blank slate. No, it's totally fine. Cause, cause, I'm really good know. at that. I forget about what Jesse says all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I work right next to him. And so, you know. If, if, if he had, That's if no he, excuse. If they were, if they had just gotten done playing it and they were excited about it, they would talk about it. So I was like, I'm going to wait until I've forgotten. And I've forgotten like everything that you've ever said about this game at this point. So I there should definitely go. play it. Now it's time to play also, it in the same vein, it's an I it's an I think it's iOS and maybe Android game, but it's also on Steam. Uh, I mentioned this before, but we beat it, and so I now know there are multiple multiple endings. Check out um, Simulacra. Yes, it is in the same vein where you it, it it has the exact same vibe as all the other found phone games. Um, it, so like the Mr. Robot one I talked about a while ago, it had it has that idea of. You find this phone, except this one is a horror game. And a girl has gone missing. You have this girl's phone, and you have to work with the people on her phone to find her. But there clearly is something crazy going on. There are legit jump scares and stuff. It's I can't imagine what it's like on your phone to have like a jump scare on like in your hand. That sounds like a great way of breaking your phone, actually. Yeah. Oh, I it is it is an intense, interesting game that having played through it once i realized there are many many ways that you can go through this and um wow i was really really impressed with the way they did it and and i you know i can't say anything but good things about it um i don't know how much it costs uh because we got it on steam i don't know what it is on on ios but uh it is definitely a game that um will make you uh i i guess the whole point is it's trying to make you question the amount of technology you have in your life i guess is is the best way to describe it and um it's it's done very very well in like a cool twisted way so i would check it out too fair enough well i beat wolfenstein i heard it, it, it it got better for you no it didn't (laughs) <laughs> Never mind. <clears throat> Tell I, us, what did you think? I, I, I mean, I would unequivocally call it the most disappointing game I've played in 2017, frankly. Really? No yeah, I really didn't like it. Is because you were really excited to play it? Was, uh, there was an, there's always an aspect it. of that, you know? It's like, it was my top game of the year when the original came out. So I was expecting mm. some pretty good stuff out of it. And... I mean, the whole thing was a slog, honestly. 
it I saw that I was getting towards the end and like I didn't want to keep going I had no yeah. interest in continuing to go but I did anyway just to, like you know what I'm a chapter away from the end I might as well finish the bloody thing oh god is this it's it's a snore fest in many ways it's unmemorable in many others which is exactly how I you would think not describe the first one do you think it, it matters which character you chose uh, that wouldn't make much of a difference because most of the problems that I had were not with the story itself. Story, okay. it's fine. Um, the characters, for the most part, are fine, although I wouldn't say there are any good new characters that come in this time around. Uh, nobody particularly memorable when it comes to that. Uh, the main problem I had was actually the level design and the way that the levels were presented. They're infuriatingly bad for the most part. They're hard to navigate. They're in many ways incredibly dull. Like uh, Manhattan, the bombed out Manhattan that you go to, which is you know, about three hours into the game. Really oh God, that was fucking level. It's, it was brown. Like the whole thing was brown. It's just it's like Fallout 3. Yeah, bombed out buildings, brown stuff, pits in the floor. Navigation was a pain in the dick because you're moving through a lot of broken buildings which have multiple floors. And mm. most of the floors are dead ends, and you know, only one's only going to take you to the right place. Uh, sometimes yeah, it looks like, oh, I could jump down here, and actually that just kills you outright. Yeah, uh, I did that. <laughs> I did the exactly the that. little hint system, which sort of tells you which way you're going, is totally useless in that scenario, because it points you basically towards a wall or a dead end. It's just like, well, you've got to get in this direction. It's more like a compass than it is anything else. I'm like, yeah, I know I've got to get in that direction, but I don't know how to get in that direction. And because the whole city looks exactly the same and there are no defining landmarks anywhere on the level it's really easy to get turned around on yourself go the wrong direction i was stuck in that level for way too long um and honestly compared to the levels in the first game which were all pretty damn memorable locations really cool shit you know you go to the moon there's a level in a giant u-boat there's a level in this really awesome museum which has got a bunch of really cool set pieces in it of course there's level in the castle there's a level in the you know german or french countryside can't remember which it's all over the place you know and it's a cool story because you're picking up characters along the way uh you're meeting and introducing yourself to different people it, it feels like it goes somewhere I know that that game had a very clearly defined start middle and end that went a good distance across a large number of interesting places. Wolfenstein 2, I mean, it's the big sequel. You expect bigger, better, larger, grander scope and ambition. It's not. It's the opposite of that. It's far more focused. It's all set in America, which is not, by the way, an excuse for boring terrain. You could very easily have a lot of really interesting terrain in America. America's huge. There's all yeah. kinds of... They don't, though. They don't, you know, uh, mm. Manhattan is boring as hell and New Orleans wasn't really much better. It's just another bombed out city. You know? Yeah, that was disappointing. I was really looking forward to New Orleans and what they could do with that. It was, yeah, you're right. It was exactly that. Yeah, the, the Roswell locations vary from, you know, you get a small slice of seeing what America under Nazi rule is, which is cool, but it doesn't last very long. And then the rest of it is like underground military base, bunker, other military base, blah, blah, blah. I yeah, there's one memorable place that you go. Uh, admittedly, the pacing of it is just dragged out so much because, uh, as I discovered when I was looking on YouTube, this game has about anywhere between sixty and ninety minutes more cutscenes than the first one did. Shit ton of it. Three and a half. Uh, three and a half hours in total. 
something like that yeah like mm -hmm. just a, a genuinely massive amount of cutscenes and they constantly interrupt the flow and pacing of the game the what i wanted really was to see more involvement from the other characters in your story what you actually get especially for the good it's i mean it says the first half of the game but frankly i think it's even more than that before there's a big event that happens to kind of change things around it's mostly bj monologuing to himself having quite a few flashbacks to stuff we kind of already knew about him anyway and i was like hey, this is what he was like as a child and like we knew this from the first game like you're rehashing this for no reason and i'm sorry but bj is actually the least interesting character in the whole damn game and I wanted to hear a lot more from the other characters. I wanted them to be more directly involved in what I was doing. But they weren't. Gotcha. Yeah. That's not to say the game is lacking in charm, you know. Some of the scenes and some of the cutscenes are great if you can stomach sitting through them. You know, some of them are like 10 fucking minutes long. It's like, god yeah, damn it. Yeah, but they're cool. They're yeah, but I don't cool, play man. games so to sit there watching. I play games I, to I be involved. I absolutely play some games oh, to sit Oh, but it's in. such a good, like, oh. Some oh. games, it's like, for me personally, I think it's so interesting that you say this because for me, Wolfenstein was one of my best games of the year because of the fact that I enjoyed the narrative so much. Like, I actually didn't care about the gameplay. I was like, cool, I'm shooting things, whatever. I didn't really care because I've shot so many things over so many years. It doesn't really interest <laughs> me. But if you give me a good storyline with some cool characters and you jazz it up well with the kind of soundtrack and presentation and the way it frames itself and the voice acting quality, if you give me that, you've given me something. And so for that reason, I was like, I really, really liked Wolfenstein. I like the story too. I think, yeah. uh, but, but I understand the difference between myself and TB where he's in it for the mechanics and i okay. literally the game could be like i mean i'm not just in it like, for that a good story it's, i'm in so it's just yeah. i want these these interesting characters to be more front and center and to be more directly involved in the gameplay which they're not you know they're all stuck at a boat somewhere and it's like you go off and do this we'll be there the, when you come back the last one though right well no because a lot of that game consisted of actually traveling around the world meeting and collecting those characters in the first place the problem is all of your characters are already there in Wolfenstein 2. You only really meet, there's one new person in the first half of the game and there's one new person in the second half of the game that you barely get to interact with at all because when you get him, it's almost the end of the game anyway. And neither of them really hold a candle to the other ones that you met in the first one. So to me, they're all just stuck on the boat, completely not involved in what you're doing. And in particular, in the first half of the game, you barely get to speak to them. You hear what BJ is saying to himself and muttering to himself, and oh, that, that's that's a pretty cringeworthy dialogue in that. Like, I like his muttering. Uh, I, I, I don't. He's man. boring. He's, He's a boring <laughs> character, in my opinion. <laughs> Straight up dull. Both sides. I'm yeah. glad that I'm getting like very aggressively like, no, this was yeah. all bad, and then you know. No, this was the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I eyes. definitely see how I definitely see how you could not enjoy it though. I mean, that's definitely not lost on me. Um, I think it's very much a matter of perspective with this kind of game, you know, it's and that sort of experience and that sort of narrative, because some lines will land and we're like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. And the other person will look at it and they'll be like, dude, that's lame. Come on now, you know? It's so. the, the you know, that game, in my opinion, gets in the way of you playing the game way too much with a combination of bad level design that drags everything out and just frustrates and a shit, shit metric fuck ton of cutscenes. You know, the combination of those two things, like, well, I want to be progressing 
through this at a reasonable rate and i'm not able to do that because of those two parts do you like metal gear solid games as a point of reference for this conversation no i don't okay yeah fair enough fair enough again I... it's the same <clears throat> sort of thing where it's like just cutscene city in metal gear and they're some of my favorite games because i'm totally okay with you take control of the story i play games all the time i'm fine if you just give me a good story you know all I, all I all I want to say, having experienced the first game and knowing what a good story should be, why couldn't we have a game, a Wolfenstein 2, where you played not as BJ, because BJ, as we know, recovers, but what if instead you played as uh, um, Anya, and you were pregnant and had to kick ass, and then you end up discovering that BJ is alive that at the end of the sequel. That would be I mean, I mean awesome. I the, the whole concept of them sending an extremely heavily pregnant woman into battle the way that they do is <laughs> fucking stupid. Like, th no, a, I'm not saying extremely pregnant. There's a level of suspension of disbelief. Kick some ass is like. Yeah. I was definitely imagining a woman like eight months pregnant. No, she, I was yeah, no, she, no, no, she is. Uh, yeah, no, I was gonna, no. but in the game, in Wolfenstein 2, she is. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, there is that scene, right? Or it's very great. close towards the it's end. Great. It, it's, it's amazing. It's, great. It's ludicrous. I mean, it's the, 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 whole, the whole game is ludicrous. Yes, <laughs> it's full of stupid fucking things that I obviously can't talk about because of massive spoilers. But that They're actually awesome. was harder to suspend my disbelief on. As I'm like, right, this person is a key member of the Kreisau Circle, extremely important to the Resistance, is currently heavily pregnant with twins. You have a boat full of rebel soldiers, especially at that point in the game, because you gathered a shit ton when you evacuated from a city, again, trying to avoid the spoilers. Let's send her into the most dangerous environment possible for no fucking reason at all. But haven't you guys constantly told me that one of the charms of Wolfenstein is that it's ridiculous? To a point. There's pulp, there's pulpy <laughs> ridiculous, and it's then- the, total pulp fiction. It's, it's pulp, awesome. pulp has it's to be so based good. on logic, though. Like, you can do the shit that they did halfway through the game. This is really annoying to talk about without actually spoiling it, because it's really hard to do that. Uh, the thing that happened halfway through the game is pulpy as shit, but it makes logical sense. There is literally no logical reason for them doing that. None. Literally zero. I want I want an entire game of her pregnant murder. 100%. That's ridiculous and stupid. I'll be honest. I don't care. Make her. She can give birth in it. Baby has upgrades. I don't care what they do. I want <laughs> all of it. Look, Baby we, has a rocket launcher. We talked yeah. about this when um, uh, some people brought up the idea of... Uh, it's stupid to expect common sense and logic of any form in a game with dragons in it or whatever. It's like you don't just dump dragons in anything without explaining where they came from, how they work in this world and why they're there in the first place. You don't just throw that in. Right? Everything has to make logical sense within the universe. Right, it's a universe with laser weapons and mecha Nazis and giant flame, flame spouting mechanical dogs that you can ride. Okay, that's fine, but they're all there for a reason, and the but it's actions also a taken where a man was exploded and is fine. 
A man was things. blown to pieces. Yeah. And is okay. okay. He survived a thing. The thing is, he barely did. You know, as you can tell at the start of the game, he barely but survived he that. Yeah, he but did. He, he did. also survives another even worse thing. But I'm aware. I'm just but saying. But they give like... them. But they give a reason for all of that, though. They give a reason for that. That th you know, Anya going into battle the way that she is is totally fucking illogical. No, but there I is that no is the reason. There's one of the, that's one of the least ridiculous things in this entire. No, game. it isn't. <laughs> Name one like logical reason why they send an eight-month carrying twins pregnant woman into the thick of battle. Name one no reason. One else. Yet like, to bullshit. It's... They have a boat full of everyone else. That is bullshit. Yeah, but everyone has their role. You're in a terrorist cell. A te I mean, they're considered the terrorists. They're in a you, cell. You know, the role of an eight-month-old pregnant woman, pregnant woman is not to be in frontline combat. That's completely and totally <laughs> That's illogical. That's why BJ fell in love with her, dude. No. You don't understand. That's, That's why not fell why in she love is with her. She don't need to be told what to do. She's oh, going to do it. God. She's going to do it. It's They're in love. It's nonsense. Nope. Utter nonsense. <laughs> I'd trust her. I'd be like, take this gun, cover my back. <laughs> Damn right. <sighs> you clearly didn't listen to the audio recordings from the first game where she was like, I would do fucking anything. That girl is a stone cold killer. It's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I hated it. How close are you? Uh... I know TV said you beat it. How close are you guys to, to beating it, do you think? Oh, I finished it ages ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the kind of game, yes, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I think most people I've spoken to finish it because it's such a narrative kind of game. It's like, you just like push through it. Even if you're not particularly enjoying it, you just have to see the ending. So- <laughs> Which is a letdown, by the way. Stein finished Wolfenstein. Not even a final boss fight. The ending sucks. Yeah, I agree. That sucked for sure. Totally agree with you on that. You know, to that, it sounds like it's expecting the DLC to actually finish the game properly. It's a thoroughly yeah. unsatisfying conclusion to the game. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Well, that's our opinion on that. So, sure. Mm. There you go. Ralph, what you got? What you been playing? I don't get to play much unfortunately because i work full time and because i do the whole youtube thing i have very limited throughput so now my whole life it, it seems is like lived in back catalog right now i'm playing assassin's creed origins okay well i mean that's um, fairly recent it's fairly yeah, recent like oh no, no it's not old it's not like no you know, not at all assassin's creed revelations or whatever um, i was gonna say if you're playing assassin's creed 2 that might be back catalog but i think yeah, origins true, is true, totally true. acceptable have you guys played this game only no, a little. Good things, though. It's pretty good. It's like, um, imagine imagine a really convoluted version of The Witcher with a storyline that is sort of awkward and heaps of UI and just missing a lot of the charm. I know that sounds really brutal, but- That sounds like Assassin's say, Creed. You started this off by being like, it's pretty good, but then listed off a lot like, of things that sound like they would really not make a good game. It is good in the sense that it's it's a nice, very um, well-paced, open world, follow the marker kind of game, but it's just not landing for me personally. Like, I can objectively look at this and understand why so many people really enjoy this game. But for me, the characters are so weird. 
like it's it's a very much a revenge story about a, you know a, a husband and wife who are sort of like trying to avenge their son and they keep making out while they're talking about the people that they're killing who killed their son it's kind of like dude okay. that's not okay that's weird you know it's got this right. very sort of teenage it was you know, a simpler time maybe it was a simpler time back in ancient egypt and that's how people got yeah. their rocks off by like you yeah. know what i mean but revenge but, yeah totally you know but but (laughs) it has this really sort of um sort of teenage quality to the writing i think and it's such a beautiful world if anyone has played the game everyone will agree that the world that they built is just absolutely phenomenal the level it's gorgeous yeah it's gorgeous like it is i I sort of weep to think and this is going to sound super bad and i don't i don't mean any disrespect to the ubisoft guys who made this but i weep to think what they could have done with it if they'd really been ambitious with this game. Because what Yo, they did that's... super, super ambitious with the world. Like uncompromisingly ambitious with this world design, but no ambition whatsoever in the game design. It's literally just follow the marker, you know, next annoying cutscene, next, you know, one dimensional character after the other. It, and it... If you gave this to a developer that knew what they were doing, please, no disrespect to the Assassin's Creed devs. That sounds terrible, but... But you guys are shit, is what he's saying. No, I just... Assassin's Creed... Worst game of the year. (laughs) Assassin's Creed has such legacy to it in terms of its systems and what players expect. And you can't miss... miss, uh, miss, um, you know, mess with that too much. But I think open, like Zelda, for example, this year just proves what you can do to the open world formula if you really want to mess with it while still remaining true to the source material. And Assassin's Creed desperately needs that. It desperately needs that. How much can we take out of this while still leaving in what makes it great to really invigorate it? The the solution to improving Assassin's Creed is not adding more at this point. It's actually taking out heat. Taking some stuff away. Yeah, that, that does make a good degree of sense. Because like you said, yeah. like going into that, it's piles and piles of markers. Like they're all over your screen. Yeah. Every time you looked at an Assassin's Creed map, it's like, oh, it's about 500 icons here. Like, fuck's sake. Like there's exactly. something and, every and, five and feet. Because, but even mechanically, it's such a, it's a case of you walk into an environment that is so beautiful and there's so much to look at. You walk into the Library of Alexandria, for example, and you're like, whoa, man, I'm in the Library of Alexandria. This is fucking awesome right? And then you like have to find the secret papyrus. And all you do is you hold up on the D-pad, it pings the location, there's a marker above the papyrus at the other side of the room, and you go over to it. That's it, you've done, you've explored the Library of Alexandria. It's the perfect example of why like, mechanics and UI and all this sort of stuff completely shatter the environment when you're in this place and you don't care because all you care about, all your brain is conditioned to care about in that moment is the marker that you have to get, there's- you know? You're you're right on the money with the fact that this game's beautiful looking. The mm. world that you play in is phenomenal, but every other aspect of it feels off. And yeah. not until you started talking and I started like piecing stuff together. And and I hate to do this, but it's a comparison I have to make. It feels like the team sat down, all of them played through Witcher 3. Yes. Had like a oh okay, we can do this, but we have more money and more of us on staff that we can make a better version. And they created a world and a place that you want to spend time in, but without getting what made Witcher 3 good. Without understanding that, like, the storyline, the plot, and the writing feels very like if I was 17 and trying to be a badass. Yes. 
the exactly. way you go about doing stuff, even though it has that sort of at many times that Witcher mechanic of like, I have to solve what happened here. Like, mm-hmm. how did this ship burn down? Where did this girl like that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's like done in a Assassin's Creedy kind of half-assed way. Yeah. And then your bird is just pinging every fucking thing on the map. So it's like, I know where to go. So I don't have to do any work. Um, it's crazy. And then much of the story, stuff that could have been very serious and very like, I'm going to question all sorts of shit. Like there's one quest where um, someone has been poisoning one of the sacred cabs and you find out that it's like some random like the priestesses are doing it for another re- there's a whole reason for this whole thing happening and it can be like whoa like there's some crazy shit going on here and questioning mm. the whole like religion of everything they're doing and it's like no this is like a mini quest on the way to a bigger quest it doesn't really matter that much but it's like that's huge that's yeah. like especially if you are um new to the world of ancient egypt where you're like wait so why does this calf have like sister wives like why does a cow have people like there's a lot of crazy shit going on in ancient egypt that is insane by modern standards but it's super interesting and 100%. the way they handle it is like let's fucking get to the cool shit and like kill some people it's like but there's so much lore going on here that if you took five minutes to like focus on that it could be a really rich game instead it's just a beautiful uh shallow game 100%. That sucks because that that means they obviously did a lot of research and like yeah, no wanted question. to be lots of quests that were at least mostly accurate to what was going on in ancient Egypt, but they didn't. That's so that's so bizarre. It's, that they it, would yeah. time to try to waste, be accurate. They waste so much of that because it's so clear that there is a there there would have been a research unit that would have put in hundreds thousands of hours to research ancient Egypt and so much of that has gone to the creation of this world and then there would have been a narrative team whose job it was to ignore all of that like Cleopatra is in this game for example Cleopatra is one of the most fascinating his- like characters in all right. of antiquity she is amazing if you look at the story about of, of of Cleopatra incredible right and then she's introduced her first line in the whole game is i will fuck any man so long as he's willing to be executed the following day. Do you know what I mean? Like it's this completely ridiculous introduction for this incredibly interesting character. And she's basically just presented throughout the rest of this game as this dumbass quest giver who just like tells you, hey, do this. It's all of it is wasted. You could do something so awesome with this world and and these characters, but they just don't. What's crazy about this is this is also a time period when you have influences from across the Mediterranean. So you have all these like Roman, like there's so much intrigue that can go into this. And here's the problem that I have. And I know a lot of people when they look at a game like Witcher 3, they're like, oh, well, there's a lot of politicking going on and there's all these factions. And, like, But in an adult story, that's interesting as shit when there's like yeah. all, everyone has reasons and motivations for what they're doing. And war isn't like a cool thing. Everyone fucking hates it, but they're like, this is where we're at right now. And, like, mm. if those guys win, then these guys kill all these people. But if, like, they win, then all these other people suffer. Like, everything's shit. And in this, that's not the case at all when it should be. There's so many mm. things happening during this period of ancient yes. Egypt where it's, like, anything that goes wrong could light this whole fucking place on fire. And that's such a cool idea that they just squander the fuck away because it's yeah. like, yeah, but you're an assassin, so you're cool, like, in the shadows, so, like, yeah. no, this matters. 
I feel I, like I, we've been playing Assassin's Creed games for so long. We've grown up, but the series absolutely has not. It right. just seems it's it has the opportunity, given its rooting in history, to really age with its audience and to continue to arc towards their growing intelligence. But instead, it just continues to ground itself in the basic teenage tropes of let's go kill this, let's have sex with let's that. Let's go you know be cool, I mean? cool. Let's assassin. go be cool, you know. And it's just <laughs> it's a shame. It really is. So, but they they did change up the mechanics a bit in this game. Yeah, right? quite uh, significantly. It, it, it's, it's much more. It's much less Assassin's Creed, much more um, open Witcher world, which are three it, stuff. You'd feel like uh, the video I want to make, but I don't have time to make it, is Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed versus Witcher 3, you know? Um, I don't have time to make that because I don't have time for another playthrough of The Witcher 3, but that would be a fascinating video because it's so clear how much they have drawn from that style in every way, you know? Which is fine but because just... the combat system used to be a glorified QTE. Like there was nothing yeah, hard about Assassin's Creed combat. It's it's not any better here though, to be honest. It's different, but it's no better, you know. Um, yeah. Witcher Three combat though wasn't necessarily like a masterpiece either. So that's it's not the big strength of the game, is it? No. no, it's never been a big strength. But but yeah, it's just um, it's just missing that secret source, unfortunately. And I really had been so hopeful that the team could have brought that. And I feel that they could have. I feel as though there'd be a whole bunch of developers on that team looking back at or listening to this conversation now, very frustrated saying, if only they'd listened to me, I had the idea to do X, Y, and Z, you know? And yeah, it, it just feels like- The whole point of them taking a year off was to try and take this tired formula and get put in, breathe new life into it, I guess. But mm. the, the Ubisoft style of doing open world seems like a really hard habit to break. Oh, yeah. They have a formula it's, it's... and they're really, really sticking with it. It, it has all the, the potentials there that they like things happen yeah. in this game where you know you can see the inspiration from Witcher 3. You can see where there's great stuff. And those moments are genuinely like, oh, that's fun. Like where you randomly stumble upon a boy stealing fruit. And if you follow him, it leads to a quest, which is kind of like, oh, that's interesting. But they've created this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful world filled with vibrant and, and like vibrancy and life and you can like just cruise down the nile and like yeah, see amazing. shit and like it's amazing. incredible to be there but there's it's a world of beauty and wonder but everything else is like vapid and yeah. silly and it, it's 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 hard i don't know how to describe this game because i i keep wanting to be like you should check it out check out this game origins <laughs> yeah. looks really cool it's fun, but at the same time, it's just like, I know, I know. God, I know that you're gonna hate it. I know you're gonna hate it, but you should check it out. <laughs> like that's that's the yes. vibe I have. Yes, yes. It's like Destiny. <laughs> like, well, Destiny like... will certainly get onto in the news portion <laughs> of the show since Bungie have been very, very naughty boys and girls. So we'll certainly talk about that. But now will be a good time to take a break. When we come back, more about the games we've been playing this week. You've been watching the Corruptional Podcast. Don't come anywhere. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Corruptional Podcast. The sounds of miracle of sound, as usual, a favorite on the show, the new Black Golden Sovereign Guard song. Right. Let's get back to stuff that we've been playing. Dodger, what else you got? I, uh, I was avoiding that stupid Animal Crossing mobile game. <laughs> because I don't because I don't like the normal Animal Crossing games, right? So okay. like, well, obviously... well, that's a pretty damn good reason not to play it. 
<clears throat> yeah. I was like, I don't care about this mobile game. So okay. Sam and I were in Oregon all week for Thanksgiving. And uh, I kept looking over and seeing him play it. And I was like, that looks kind of mindless, though. Like, I it like is. mindlessness in a mobile game. <laughs> I was like, hmm, maybe I'll try it. So when we were on the plane coming back here, I was like, I'm going to download it. I'm going to download it and I'll play it. Why you do this? You're going to download it on a plane because that you usually takes a while. I downloaded it when we when we landed. Oh, we OK. Landed. Right. Fair like, enough. Right, yeah. I'm going to yep. just play this game. So that yep. was uh, two days ago. Right. Yep. A game is extremely mindless in a way where it's just it's really easy to just like log in and be like, all right, everybody, what do you want? You want a bug? I got you. You you want a butterfly? I got you. And then you just get all kinds of shit. And then it's like make some furniture. And I'm like, cool. And then you set your furniture to start being made. And then you walk away. <laughs> and it's like it's the perfect toilet game for me. Um, the concept of this new Animal Crossing mobile game is that you run a campsite. So in the in the last Animal Crossing New Leaf game, you showed up and they were like, oh, thank God, the new mayor is here. And you're like, I'm not the mayor. And they're like, yeah, you sure are. In this one, you show up and they're like, oh, thank God, uh, the new, uh, the new, um, <laughs> what's, the, what's the word? Oh, my God. Camping. Holy shit. Camping wow. manager. <laughs> yeah the new the new like camping manager is here and you're like that's not me and you're like are you sure because i'm pretty sure it is you uh and yeah you make your little person and you go around and you try to make all the animals love you and if your campsite is cool enough they'll show up and mm -hmm. hang out there once you invite them but you have to do a certain number of uh people people are really upset because the way that it works is like you do a certain number of favors for people. They'll be like, man, I really wish I had a butterfly. And then you'll go and grab the butterfly they want and bring it to them, right? These people sound uh, lazy as fuck, by the way. Uh-huh. These people sound lazy as fuck. They're it's very like, lazy. Get your own fucking butterfly. How hard can that be? Yeah, so you get them a butterfly, right? Until they hit a, a certain level. And once they hit a certain level of like relationship status with you, then you can be like, you should come hang out at my campsite. And then what they do is they go, man, I would love to come to your campsite, but could you do a few things for me first? And then they list no. off all, they <laughs> list off a huge list of furniture that you have to have at your campsite in order for them to show up. What kind of dickhead <laughs> makes demands <laughs> like that? What this sucks. Like all these like all these people, you're like, can you come to my campsite? And they're like, You're a doormat. I don't know. You're a complete you and total doormat. Cute enough. Can you make this rug and this chair and this table and this teddy bear and the, like <laughs> Ru's like I'm buying all of my friends. Um, so yeah, the game is literally just a loop of I go fishing, I catch bugs, and I grab fruit, and then I go to all the animals. I'm like, you want shit? Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Terrible Here you game. Go. A it's a giant fucking. Of, and then I set a bunch of furniture to be made, and it's like this will be done in four hours. And I'm like, great. And then I shut it. it off. So it's a, it's a giant fucking a treadmill game. and Skinner box. It's not a good game. That has no, a bunch of microtransactions in it. Terrible downloading. It is a terrible game. Um. So yeah, I've been. <laughs> been playing that there a is... lot. The last couple I'm not of sure you are playing anything. Like right? the game was just demanding things of you it does make me tap the screen 
when I've when a fish has grabbed my bait. Wow, Life goals. challenging. That's, big, that's right. Hardcore uh, shit. You have a little camper van, and you can decorate the inside of your camper van with all of your furniture, which I find hilarious. Which either takes yeah. a long time to build, is probably made out of a bunch of materials that take a shit ton of time to get, or I'm sure you can buy it with leaf tokens, because you can do everything in oh, that yeah. game with that yeah, shit. Yeah, they're like, they're like leaf money, but the game just keeps giving it to me already, so I'm Even like... the honeymoon period where they do that? And oh, then I'm sure. That well, that's, in the that's the thing, though. That's that, the yeah. thing, though, is when I was, like, level nine, I think, somebody was like, you're about to hit the paywall. Right. Have not hit any kind of a wall yet have not hit any they just they just keep being like oh good job you went to somebody's place and gave them kudos on their campsite here's a bunch of fucking money i'm like great (laughs) (laughs) it's like but i've i've literally only spent the the like leaf tokens or whatever on making it so that i can have multiple pieces of furniture going at the same time i haven't spent them on anything else and the game also gives you uh what are called i think request tokens and that makes it so that if you've done all of the requests that someone has for the day, you can give them a request token and be like, please ask me to do something else for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a logical thing so, I've ever heard. Pointless yeah. thing. It's it's very silly. It's a very silly thing that you can play on mobile. <laughs> for or free. not, so, actually. Hey, You're really so good. Me. You were doing so good. Your boredom got the better of you. It did. <laughs> it literally did. Sam and I sat on the couch when we got home and watched Punisher. Do you want to like? Do you want to like go I'm- to a soup kitchen and like give back instead of doing that? I will literally <laughs> yeah, do anything try- rather than do, than play that. I've been, I've been trying to set that up for a while. I'm <laughs> like sure you have. Reality. Have I- you or have you been hanging out with with, with Mr. Nook? Mr. Nook isn't in this game. So, um, oh, he is. He's the one taking money for all the leaf tokens. <laughs> I graduated there from bells another, to real U.S. dollars. in the game, though, hmm. but it's not. It's not Tom Nook. They probably removed it because people were giving poor Tom shit. Tom yeah, is a was, saint. Tom is a saint who gives you money when you don't deserve it. At, he was trending on Twitter in the announcement. So, Tom Nook was. Yeah, yeah, was. yeah. When they announced Animal Crossing, they're like he was trending on Twitter. Yep. So people this give Tom Nook such sounds like a waste shit. of time. Mr. Nook, ladies and gentlemen, is the only reason that town still exists. Garbage. Give him I like shit. That your camera moved when your you camera moved with your I rage. slammed. I will keep slamming. That's right. Tom Nook is a is a saint. Mm. I stand um, by everything he does. So yeah, that's a toilet thing I've been doing. Yeah, I, I can I taught, think of I taught my parents how to things. how to play Jackbox. There's not Ooh. a lot of teaching involved in that, really. No. Unless you're uh, talking about Monster Seeking Monster. There's a lot of teaching that is involved oh, in that. Okay, yeah. all right, okay. <laughs> <coughs> um, so that was fun. My mom, my mom, even since I was a little kid, has been the sort of person where if a game looks fun, she'll say, don't, I'm just going to watch. Uh-huh. I'll just watch. I'm just going to watch. So my whole family is there for Thanksgiving and we set up Jackbox and everybody's having like a great time. And mom was like, I'm just going to watch. I'm just going to watch. And then Sam being a good son-in-law was like, here, I've already logged you in. You're playing. And she was like, oh. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, adorable. 
And then it was so cute because we played it. I knew she would love um, Murder Trivia Party, which she did. She can't stop talking about how great that one is. Um, and Drawful, everybody loved, obviously. The new Fibbage, the new Fibbage one that's like Fibbage all about you. Uh, that is that is really fun to play with your family yes. <laughs> or like friends, yes. I think. Um, so yeah, we, we played all of those and literally the next like, two days she was going those were such fun games yeah can you tell me how to set those up can you put them on the laptop we're gonna take them to the desert we're gonna show everybody else how to we're gonna take them to, so the to, to the so desert to the desert comb the deserts it's, it's uh, my parents a... go to the desert for half of the year for yes. anybody who's confused by that statement oh but God. um we're going to bury them in the desert where no one will yeah. find them again <laughs> So yeah, I, I had to like open up each game individually and show her like, see, they're all the same. You just say play and then and it put gives the code, you code in and, and then you're playing. And she was uh. like, this is so, this is so easy. I was like, I know. Yes. And uh, yeah, she was very excited. My well, mom is cool. super into Jackbox now. <laughs> I, I gotta be honest, like, you know, my, my dad does not, you know, he, he never got the point of games. Like, he was never into them at any point. And still kind of isn't, but we had uh, luck with Jackbox with him and with Use Your Words. He's got no problem participating in those. So that worked out pretty well with him. Uh, as to where else we could go with that, probably not. I did get him to play code names with us at one point, um, you know, which is the really cool board game kind of thing where you've got the grid of words and you're trying to find out who the spy is and everything like that. We played that, but yeah. Jackbox there, has a universal appeal. There are these games coming out on PlayStation using your mobile phone at the moment. Have you guys seen these ones? Yeah. There's one What's called, the like, name of them? Well, this one, there's one called Hidden Agenda. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Which I played at E3 and I played it again actually last week at a Sony event. And it's basically you have your phone and there's a story on screen with a live action, you know, video. And, uh, and it pauses and it basically asks people to vote on, you know, what, what, um, what you should do, except one of these people has a hidden agenda and they're trying to sort of derail the events. So basically you've got four people who are always, you know, trying to guess, you know, who, who, who's trying to mess things up. It was actually kind of interesting, to be honest with you. The acting was a little bit cheesy, but the game itself and the concept behind it was actually really good. That's so nice I feel idea. like that genre is going to do fairly well at like the whole using your phone thing to play games because yeah. and the way the sony guys were marketing it to us they were very much like we're trying to remove any barriers that any non-gamers have when they pick up a controller because you guys as gamers yep. know exactly what this thing is a controller but like everybody else like has no idea you know yeah, your so mother what, what your father yeah they've got no clue but they know how to use their phone so we're going to try and bring them into the ecosystem through the phone i was like oh. mm. Yeah, this I think it's called PlayLink, if I recall correctly, is the sort of initiative Play they're looking think, at. Yeah. yeah. Which I think was an old cable for something, for another, like a Nintendo product, maybe back in the day. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But anyway. I mean, if you go back to the PlayStation 2 era, you can see the sort of buds of this idea in Buzz. You remember Buzz, yes, exactly. the, the quiz game, you know? It's like, Buzz. well, let's just, instead of dealing with controller, we give you a nice big button with four button choices, and then you hit the thing, yeah. and everybody can understand that. I think they're releasing another Buzz, but it'll use your phone. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense, yeah. Retailers would hate it because they can't sell peripherals, but Sony would love it because they sell games. Yep. So, yep. 
It's uh, yeah. There's um, there's currently one they're just calling Knowledge is Power, which I think is probably just Buzz, like, but they've renamed it. For I, I played that. It is Buzz, pretty much. Yes, yeah, pretty pretty that. much look like Buzz. Yeah. But there's a really good one that I played, which was called That's You, and yeah. it's essentially the kind of game that you play with your mates, and yeah. it's like who's the person most likely to pass out first on a boozy night. And, you know, it's literally just those sorts of dumbass questions where you just make fun of each other. So if you're at a party with your mates, having beers, put that on, that would be good. And I would love to watch, I don't know, whoever, like some, you know, people that we like watching, I don't know, play that kind of game. Because the interactions that I was just having with some random strangers, I didn't even know, even that was enjoyable, you know? So Yeah, you know, there's plenty of us who've done streams of Jackbox and Northern Lion uses Jackbox probably on at least a weekly basis mm. to, uh, you know substitute for his complete lack of sense of humor and it works pretty well for him there's this room for that and the whole idea of busting out a game at a party if it's easy to start and easy to understand that's great you know i i, I pointed out triple agent multiple times this year and just said that's ideal because it plays on one phone you only need one person to have it the setup and explanation yeah. is non-existent and you just go everyone thought that sounded too comp like everybody would have to be too like focused no no you don't <laughs> at totally thanksgiving not. i was like well we've got this game called triple agent i was trying to explain it and they were like <laughs> like okay never mind never mind <laughs> don't have to play that <laughs> yeah it's yeah, the, the social deduction in particular like you'll have more luck with people that they have a bit of game experience like i probably wouldn't want to play triple agent with someone that doesn't game at all well, I think also just like everybody wanted something to play where they could continue to because Thanksgiving's the only time we all get together. So where people could continue to like talk with each other and and you know catch up but be playing a game at the same time. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Sure. Yeah. Tribal Agent requires some degree of focus. Right. That's fair. It's good though. Mm-hmm. I like Tribal yeah, Agent. Any a lot. any games like that, I think I think they definitely do um make it more accessible for sure totally Mm. Mm. good chat indeed video game what else has other people been playing this week what you got on the video games there star wars battlefront 2 why (laughs) why did you play that because i had to review it oh (laughs) no so I played it, which was that. I just saw Dunky put out a video on that as well, actually. Yeah, don't mention that. Everyone's going to leave the live stream to go and watch it now. Good job, these videos <laughs> are like four minutes. Does not so. exist on the internet. It has We'll be fine. Yeah, just just yet. leave this on mute for a couple of minutes, so we're getting the viewer hours. It's fine. You can go watch. You can go watch the Dunsley video and then come back. Okay. Have Have you guys actually played much of Star Wars Battlefront Two? I've been. Have you guys fo- about I, we we've talked about it a decent amount. Uh, right. Jesse's played the campaign. And pointed out that if you're big into the expanded universe, there's some cool stuff in there. But as a story, it's pretty crappy and predictable. I only played the beta. I didn't bother playing the full game because even when they took the microtransactions out, I could see the progression system was the slowest, most bullshitty bit of bullshit I have ever fucking seen. And I don't want to invest my time in that because the game isn't good enough to justify me getting over that hurdle. For sure. There's two challenges with it. Obviously, the money side is a whole thing that everyone's always talked about to death. But the fact is, they've ultimately built a progression system into a multiplayer shooter that has no place 
in a multiplayer shooter. Correct. You need to, if you're building a progression system, it cannot be about having more power. It has to be about having different options. Yeah. And these, these, this system is entirely about more power, you know? So mm-hmm. for that reason, I just can't sign up to it. Like I play it, I force myself to play it. The Starfighter Assault mode, by the way, is amazing. Have you guys seen this? Have you guys played this? The, no. The ship and, no, oh. I have been told that was good, but the problem is that some of the most powerful upgrades in the game are Starfighter upgrades. So... If yep, you absolutely. go up against people that worst. have, yeah, I, that was one. I did the video a few months ago about the loot boxes, and we looked at the Starfighter because I'm like, "Fuck me!" Yep. Like level one is five percent like extra health. Level four is like forty percent extra health. Like what the shit? That's ridiculous. Like these, and you're going up against guys you could not possibly kill unless they fell asleep at the keyboard. Can but I, I um, go, Jesse? Sorry. No, 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 no. Please continue. I have something I want to add at the end. Yeah, but right, okay. the, the mode itself, why why is that mode particularly good? Because it provides you with the most authentic Star Wars moments I think I've ever had in a video game, perhaps. I honestly believe that there is no more Star Wars a moment than when I'm flying into a TIE fighter and we're both firing and one of us is going to make it out of that and I'm going to fly through the explosion of his, you know, of his wreckage. Sure. And there's a Star Destroyer in the distance and I barrel roll in and there's laser fire across. And it's set like that. Those I have so many of those moments when I play that mode where I'm just like, man, I'm in this fucking movie right now. It is <laughs> amazing from that perspective. Sure. If you are a true Star Wars fan, you cannot but appreciate those moments. Because you I certainly appreciate how they look. Them. I don't think it's a doubt yeah, that's about what that. I'm saying. It's a beautiful 100%. game. Yeah. Correct. That but but not just look sound and also feel yes. by the way because the controls in this in that mode are like the best multiplayer arcade style flight sim controls I've ever experienced. Just incredible. So Are they somehow better uh, is it I guess because it's a sort of starfighter in space mode. Are they somehow better than the ground attack because I found in the beta the uh, in the Naboo mission starfighters were not really much better to control than they were in the first game, which was bad. Uh, is there a difference? Uh, yeah, they they have improved. They have in, they've changed the handling since the first game, but also in open space, it's a lot better. Right, that makes a lot of sense. To maneuver and the yeah. levels are built around this idea of ducking and weaving in between different things, as opposed to just open sky. Right, so that's fair. It works a lot better, but okay. um. But yeah, I mean, I just it breaks my heart that there are there's this game mode which is so fantastic, bolted or oh, and and bolted onto it is this terrible progression system, and bolted onto that is this terrible pay to win monetization model. Yeah, and bolted onto all of that is the greatest sort of controversy in you know modern gaming. So yep. Yep. It, it really is very sad that all of this is piled up on this way because those moments, as I said, when you're flying through that exploded wreckage, it's just amazing. It really. Oh is. yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I want to add something to this conversation. Uh, about two hours ago, um, maybe three at this point, uh, articles started appearing about how at a um, technology conference that's going on right now in Arizona, um, the chief financial officer from EA gave a presentation about Battlefront and about that they are listening to people and it's very important that they they try to un- understand what people's concerns are and how <laughs> we've been giving customers- them those for months <laughs> and how and how customers feel that it's that the game was pay to win but that uh, he needs to explain that the reality of things are there's two kinds of gamers one has more money than time the other has more time than money no it's not to true between at all. Them. that's what they said and then here's the craziest thing of this which 
explains why it's power items that you can get rather than cosmetic. Um, Jorgensen uh, was also asked about the possibility of having cosmetic uh, microtransactions, and he explained that EA is very focused on, and LucasArts is extremely focused on, not violating the canon of Star Wars, and oh. cosmetic microtransactions might lead to that. As an example, Bullshit. he mentioned that Darth Vader in white would not make sense, and you definitely don't want him in pink. So don't <laughs> put him in pink, then! Wow. That's crazy. What? So, ba ba <laughs> so basically... The reason why you're getting powerful guns and like shit like that is because they don't want to give you skins for characters because it would ruin the canon of Star Wars. There we go. Uh... That's what they're saying. Can I just say as well, there's an element to this is that cosmetics are nowhere near as lucrative as power, right? And uh... that's not, a, it's not a theory. It's not a theory. It's a fact. Like these games if you, that... if you look at like fifa and i know you've done a video on this so you know you know your shit in regards to this you know fifa ultimate team makes a shit ton of money but not just that i mean just anything you know like i mean i, I speak to developers in the background and they tell me that they get clear instruction that cosmetics are just not the way to go they're not the future of monetization for video games according to publishers because they know that you can just ignore it like you and i can just happily ignore like we will might we might buy some skin because we think it's cool, but whatever, it doesn't really matter. But the 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 pressure that we feel to buy something in Clash Royale, which I know you play as well, oh, yeah. TV. Yep. Like I know that pressure personally because I play that fucking game. Yep. Right. It's a different kind of pressure. It's doing a different thing to my brain in that moment. And I engage that decision making process completely differently. Publishers know this, man. That's why this whole talk about Overwatch, Overwatch absolutely sort of popularized the loot box. We all started talking about it then. But Publishers figured out a long time ago that cosmetics were not the answer when it comes to how they monetize microtransactions. It was pay to win stuff. And that's why the entire mobile industry isn't built on cosmetics. It's built no. on pay to win. And that's exactly where it's been going with EA since day dot. And that's where everyone's going now because they're all just being like, well, this is how it is. Everyone's doing it. It's time for us to get the bandwagon, you know? Yeah. So Problem is I core gamers fucking hate it. Correct, but we Mobile are such a gamers. small percentage of the market. We are such a small percentage of the market, Core Gamers. Well, enough to make EA back off, cause yep. share to drop, and really concern True. Disney, and apparently get a couple of countries involved in investigating potential regulation around gambling. You know, it's... Okay. Uh, just an update. So I've been reading the rest of this article. Here's, here's the reason why EA is so dead set on this. They have basically said that, um, the number one, when it comes to DLC, the DLC pickup rate's around 25% when it comes to maps for games like this. So Yeah, they need like map packs so is terrible. Like, yeah, and they're like, That's okay, well, we, need, we need more money. So maps are free. We're going to come up with a way to make money in the game. And then the conclusion of this article basically states that they, EA as a company, uh, feel like they've nailed this model with sports games and can't really and understand have. why it's not working with other games, so they're going to focus on trying to figure that out, <laughs> which is mind-blowing to me. Because, I'm sorry to say it to anybody that plays FIFA and NFL and stuff like that, you've got a more educated consumer base versus a less educated consumer base. You have a more casual consumer base versus a core, hardcore consumer base. And they don't have the same standards. There's no doubt about that in my mind. That's why they started with sports. Because if they had fucking started with core, they'd have been laughed out of the building. Right. Which is exactly what has happened this time. They tried to do it with core, 
and everyone told him to fuck off. Yep. That's it, just totally... I hadn't read that article. I'd, I'd be really interested if you could... Um, Send me a link to that, Jesse. Sounds like a couple of hours ago. Yeah, if you can just grab uh, that. Someone tweeted it, it to me, but yeah, uh, okay. yeah cool. I will. But I will it's, send it's it to straight you. out of the EA playbook because they've been. They were talking about because um, anyone that doesn't know the background to this, by the way, I just did a review on this recently. FIFA Ultimate Team started back in 2009. It was a borrowed game mode from um, UEFA Champions 2006 2007. Mm-hmm. It's essentially a card game, like a collectible card game inside FIFA where you have to buy or earn packs of cards, combine them to create squads, and um, and then that's how you play the game, right? So the better yep. your cards, the better your squad, the more you win. It's essentially mm-hmm. a pay-to-win system. It's a pay-to-win collectible card game. Um, but the beauty of the system as well is that some of the cards are consumable cards, which means that you have this constant need to continue to spend and earn, Even more annoyingly something insidious. like Magic Gathering doesn't have. And we'll talk about that actually separately, I hope, because that's actually a key point in this as well. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so, so EA, as early as 2011, were talking about exporting the learnings of FIFA Ultimate Team to the rest of their catalog, including shooting and driving games. That was 2011, they said that. And it's taken them six or so years to be brazen enough with Star Wars Battlefront 2 to get to this point. They're not going to stop now. They make $800, a million, $800 million a year from that product, from FIFA Ultimate Team. There's yep. no, And their entire company, essentially, the success of their entire company is leveraged into that model. There's no way they are giving up on that model. This was just the first attempt. There will be many, many attempts after this. Like, no question about that at all. No yeah. question. And I guess the question comes down to how much resistance there's going to be and whether or not it's going to have an effect on sales. You know, we haven't gone far enough to know whether or not it's affected Battlefront sales. You know, a lot of people were crowing about, oh, the number of physical copies has gone down in the UK. Physical copies? Is this 2017? Like, digital sales have gone up. We can't rely on the number of physical copies sold anymore. And those no. digital numbers, we have no way of knowing because it's on the Origin client ps4 xbox live as in three stores that don't release their numbers there's no public way of getting that info so i i don't think we'll ever get that info i I don't think they're going to shift 12 million of this like they sold of the first one oh Oh, they did this look i don't know if this if this is Yes. Sorry, um, yeah. I, I can't yes. confirm any of this, but another article from the exact same website, 59 minutes ago, same same event, same guy, Blake Jorgensen, the chief yep. financial officer, talked about the closure of visual, closure of visual games. Yep. Um, mentioned that Visceral had shrunk in size over the past five, six years and was down to about eight developers, um, which is subscale in electronic arts business model. Well, the I mean, number yeah, of that... devs was among one of the reasons why support on the developing of the new Star Wars uh, adventure was offered by EA Vancouver and Motive in Montreal. Okay. The studio was trying to push a really next level game, but it was, as they kept reviewing it, it was much more a linear game. And people today don't like that as much as they did five to ten years ago. Yeah, yeah re- that's EA's fucking argument all the time. Is it? Like, oh, yeah. we well, can't make a game that has a start, middle, and end. People want online social features. They want to be they'll playing the that. same game for world. years. And... I mean, you could, is that which... totally why Zelda didn't sell any copies, man? Yeah, Duh. absolutely. Come on now. It's exactly why. Same Wait. with Divinity Original Sin. Same with Neo Automata. Same with all these games. Same with fucking Cuphead. You know, Cuphead didn't sell anything, right? Oh, wait, it shifted over a million on Steam alone. It's fucking bullshit. They're 
Right, EA's business model is to spend far too much money on bloated development teams on properties that are reliant on making a shit ton of money through MTX microtransactions over the course of a number of years. They are not building businesses and studios and projects whereby they invest X amount of money and then get that money back by selling the game. No, they correct. are spending too much, and as a direct result, they're having to implement these ridiculous systems, or so they claim. You know, we don't know if this is even true, and we, but we, we keep going back to, oh, well, you know, you can't create a game of the quality that people expect these days on this lower budget. Uh, fuck you says Hellblade, yes, you can, and you right. can sell half a million copies and be in profit by that point. And you could sell it at $30, and you could sell an eight-hour linear game with a niche bit of subject matter with very little actual marketing. You can think, do that, it, and as a AAA quality game. I think I remember reading that Jason Schreier, I read Jason Schreier's book, um, Schreier, sorry, P Pillars of Eternity, I think, was made for a total of about six or seven million dollars. Now, obviously, yeah. that's the isometric, you know, old school Infinity Engine upgrade, whatever, but at the same time, that's six million dollars, man. Like, these companies, they're pulling in hundreds and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. You can't tell me that you can't make a good game and turn a profit on just the game. Like, if, if you that's, can't that's make a good game and turn a profit on just the game, your business is fucking flawed. So I'm yeah, sorry. this is how, it's, the, this it's how the article. Uh, this article ends. Speaking of which, um, after going in, after going into the fact that it's a linear game and that uh, they feared it might end up being single player, because you know whatever. Oh no! Um, how terrible a single player game. Yeah, because yeah, they've uh, done really badly this year, right? So what they said is, is they're looking to see what they can do with the rest of the game, with the parts they have that are developed and maybe putting that into something else. Ultimately, uh, everyone who worked in the game has been moved into other sectors of EA. And um, this is the last thing I had to say on it, which I think is insane to me. They, um, but ultimately, they had realized that they had to cut the bridge. Oh, they're talking about, before this, he was talking about like when to know when to shut down a gaming studio. And he's like, well, they have expertise in that, don't they? Yeah, he's like, uh, but ultimately they had to realize that they have to cut the bridge when you realize you can't make a lot of money on something, which is why they decided to close the studio. Last wait, month, wait. Electronic Arts CEO Andrew Wilson defended the decision to close Visual Games, denying it was due to it being a single player game. <laughs> so funny. Just, just a sec. Did he just literally, is that a direct quote? A lot of money from it? Did he? Uh, the, it's in quotations. I'm going to assume it's a direct quote. Cut the bridge when you realize you can't make a lot of money on something. Yeah, because it's not Whoa. okay just to make some money. You have to make all of the fucking money. You have to. That ha is so oh, bad. That kidding. dude is getting raked over the coals when he gets back to the office. Like a hundred percent, he's getting. Well, no, I, I'm telling you, this is this is media training. I don't think so. This is straight up at a. Uh, this is the Credit Suisse twenty first annual technology conference. And this is the guy's the chief financial officer. Yes. I literally think his job was to go there and be like, if you can't make a lot of cash, there's no point in doing it because that's what they want from this dude. This nonsense. He is. I'm aware that it's, it's like gross a diverse. Insane, but like, what about a diverse portfolio of intellectual property, which makes a variable amount of money? set up in such a way that you have successful properties that are then funding risks, new IP and stuff that has potential, but maybe doesn't make a ton of money. It, it's not okay to do that anymore. I mean, even fucking Ubisoft is doing that with shit like Grow Home. Do you think Grow Home made them a bazillion dollars? No, it Correct. didn't. No, it everyone, didn't. But, but it's everyone, because they actually care about video games to some extent. Right. Everyone EA doesn't... 
so much shit. And I'm, I mean, Ubisoft have lots of problems, in particular in the quality department. Their quality yes. is yep. atrocious, like unquestionably, without exception, almost it, it's it's atrocious. Everyone saw their uh, EA press conference. We're aware. We're aware of what what quality is over there. No, no, I'm talking about Ubisoft. I'm talking about Ubisoft. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ubisoft yeah. So yeah. has serious quality but, assurance but, problems. Yeah, yeah. But Ubisoft really care about games and they really care about the diversity of their portfolio. Yes, and they, they really do. care about new ideas. Like that's, they are an actual video games company in the, in the truest sense of the word at this point. If you look at Activision, it's essentially two games, which is Call of Duty and Destiny. And then it's got the Blizzard portfolio. Blizzard part it's got yeah. King portfolio, which is all the mobile games. Yep. I don't really consider Activision a games company at this point. I certainly don't consider EA a games company at this point, but I no. actually still really consider Ubisoft for all their many, many faults. Yes, I agree. Video game company. So, I mean, there's a reason Ubisoft- why, you know, there's a reason why we were so impressed by Ubisoft's presentation at E3 this year. It's like, oh, New IP, new IP, something interesting, something unique. Yeah. Oh, they've taken what was, you know, stuff like even the fucking crew. They took a look at that and said, well, how can Dude, we... The c- so crew could better the crew too. It looks completely different. They've actually innovated. They, it's like, oh, this yeah. formula didn't work. Let's go back to the drawing board. Let's try something else. Look at the stuff, you know, you can... Knock for honor as much as you fucking like, but it yes. was a new idea that hadn't right. actually been done before. And yeah, they fucked it up. Okay, but yep. here's the thing. They tried the same thing with Rainbow Six Siege, and that is doing fucking incredibly well right now. They took Amazing. a big risk on that game, mm, but they it supported it. They believed in the damn thing, and now it's way yep. more popular than it was on launch. I think they actually hit their peak numbers. Like, they were over... I think the numbers were... They were over 100,000 concurrent this week. Yeah. Without a free weekend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. without a free weekend. That's insane yep. for a three-year-old premium shooter. That's right. nuts. But I, yeah, I just feel that there's two types of publishers now. There's publishers for us, which are core gamers. And then there's publishers for, you know, more casual gamers, um, sports gamers, etc. You know, and Activision are clearly chasing that um, sure. end of the market. And I think Destiny 2 is the perfect example of that because that is a game that was absolutely not made for core gamers. It was definitely made to capture far more of the casual market. It's the perfect example of how you take a property and then casualify it, so to speak, to align to a business objective rather than aligning to what clearly your fans wanted and what resonated with them, you know? So, you know, but then you look at Sony's portfolio. Sony's um, first party portfolio is excellent. And the stuff that they secure as exclusive as well is excellent. Um, Microsoft struggles, but I don't think it's because they're greedy. I just think it's because they don't really know what they're doing. Um, And obviously the likes of Bethesda are very deeply leveraged into interesting new IP, um, single player experience. That's their. That's and the twentieth re-release that. of Skyrim, of course. And the twentieth release of Skyrim, exactly. But 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 Activision and EA, they're not for us, man. They do not exist. For no, us. I, I think you're actually right at this point. You know, EA in particular is not for core gamers anymore. Like, if they want to take that model and run with it, then I would hope if people have any fucking sense, they will realize that EA is not making games for core gamers anymore. They're not interested in that. Yeah. And this is why I'm so worried about Anthem because, you know, Bioware is our studio. It is ours in terms of core gamers. Um, You know, the whole 
um, Andromeda thing, obviously very disappointing. We, we all know that. Dragon I Age, still though, quite I think, like that game, warts and all. Well, Although it had some enough, interesting I ideas how in it. If someone could like it, I yeah. personally wasn't a huge fan. But I think something like Dragon Age is the more interesting example because it was a very functional game that a lot of people really liked, but it was a much more casual experience versus the original Dragon Age, um, you know, Origins, etc. Yeah, Origins really might agree. as well have been Baldur's Gate. In fact, if you pulled the camera yeah. back to the pseudo isometric, it basically was Baldur's Gate it with was, the Baldur's Combat. Was, exactly. Yeah. But I just don't see how Anthem is going to be the game that core gamers want it to be. I can't see a future for that. I cannot see it being anything different than the likes of Destiny 2, which is a very casual, friendly, mass market sort of experience because the amount I... of money invested on that game by EA, they need return on investment. And core gamers alone, you know, EA don't see us as that return on investment. So, Well, okay, yeah, because we're I... playing other games that aren't theirs. That's the problem they've got. Mm, yeah. Anthem, look, Anthem's going to be the most overhyped letdown of the year. Get ready. Just brace uh, yourself for it. I think there's a good chance you'd be right. I really, and I, it makes me sad because I love Bioware. I love the idea. I love that format. I'm a huge looter fan. Like, just give me loot, give it all to me. But I just, I just have so many doubts. You know, just so many doubts. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, like I said, you you know what EA's model is at this point. Like they they've said it many many times before. You know they uh, when they were talking about Visceral, they was like the game. You know when they made the initial statements, like we want something that people will be playing for years to come. Like they don't just want your money; they want to take your time, lots of it. Like which mm -hmm. is why make publishing a game that can be beaten in ten hours for them isn't enough. That you need hundreds of hours. You need to build this to the point where it infiltrates every aspect of your fucking life because that's but, the way you're more likely to get money out of people over but, time. But as well, you know, as I said, chatting to developers, it's really interesting. They raise with me this idea that our buying patterns have changed significantly. Don't forget, think back on your collection of PS1 games. Think back on your collection of PS2 games. Now, maybe we weren't in this industry back then, but, you know, I, I certainly wasn't. I've only joined this industry in the last 18 months. But, you know, we're buying less games today and we have different expectations about those games. You know, the average consumer used to buy 10, 20 games per year. Now the average consumer, according to, you know, the, what I'm hearing, is buying four, five, six games a year, you know? And so for that reason, publishers feel that pressure to create these in infinite experiences that could be infinitely monetized because they think, well, I can't get you on the sale of 10 games. I'm going to get you on the sale of one. So I better make that one count. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not excusing yeah, that, that model. I'm just telling you the kind of the feedback that I'm hearing from them about why they're going down this path. Part of it is because they see an opportunity there. Part of it is because they feel like they need to because that's the way the, mar the market likes to buy games these days. So, yeah. And if, well, if you think about it, and you, you, know, you mentioned, look at what you had on PS1, PS2. Well, those are machines in which those always-on experiences were basically impossible. You know, the first one that I can think of that sucked up a significant amount of my time on console, not PC, console, was Fantasy Star Online. Hmm. And that was a game which didn't you could play it without connecting to the online mode you could beat the campaign you could do the campaign again i mean that game was really just about doing missions and doing the campaign on loop to get better loot and destiny proto destiny uh, it, it was yeah it really very was. much very much it was. was and then yeah you, you've seen it just go towards experiences that you're going to come back to over and over and over again but the thing is a lot of that market is now in free-to-play. So when people say they're buying less games, 
Yeah, you're probably right, because I'm looking at all of these incredibly popular free-to-play games that also have a lot of content and generally reward you for playing for a long time. Hmm. Yeah, that's sucking up a significant amount of people's time. Where we saw what the stat is, free-to-play revenue on PC has doubled this year, I believe. Yeah, I don't know about that number. I've asked that firm for some sources. There's literally no sources on that data whatsoever. Yeah, I had to wonder where the fuck they got that from because that is not actually a number that is publicly released by anybody. So I don't know if they just, they you know, they may have interviewed a few games that were ones to tell them and then extrapolated from there. Uh, but, yes. you know, the, the accuracy, it's hard to say. I mean, you can look, you could also estimate the numbers by looking at how far League has gone over yeah. the past 12 months, how far Warframe has gone over the last 12 months. Certainly. Um, how far World of Tanks has gone, etc. But okay, so this this article that I read from earlier has started to spread. So Polygon has stuff on it now. Like it's it's getting around. Um, yeah, it would, it would. More people are starting to do more like counterfactual stuff here. So like this this guy again, as he said. Um, so there might be some things we can do cosmetically, and we're working with Lucasfilm on that. But coming into it. It wasn't as easy if we were building as if we were building our own IP where it didn't really matter. It matters in Star Wars because Star Wars fans want realism, but Star Wars fans <laughs> may also want us to tailor some things like a different color lightsaber, things like that. So you might see some of that. And then immediately under that, the Polygon article is like, it's easy to poke some holes in this because you're playing prequel era Darth Maul and Rey from The Force Awakens in a battlefield that's not of their timeline. Ex so it doesn't really make sense. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yes, true. they want the canon. Wait, the entire game is non... Outside of the single player, is non-fucking canon. Yeah. It's non-canon. The droids didn't win in that fight, or the Empire didn't win in that fight. That's the whole fucking point. That battle didn't play out that way. And fucking Darth Vader was certainly not showing up in a battle before Darth Vader existed. That's And then the, the comments nonsense. and everything are just like, what about the samurai version of Darth Vader? or the original designs of characters that they sell. Like, yeah. fans want that shit. You're, they actually it, do. Of course they fucking do. It, what a bullshit argument they're using of like, we don't want to break the canon. Look guys. at the level of customization that's in the Old Republic. Yes, yeah, exactly. they do want to fuck with that shit. Absolutely yeah. they do. And Battlefront is very much a what-if kind of game. It's like, well, what if these guys won this battle? Or what if this battle went a completely different way? It's actually a very good arena to do that shit in because it is so non-fucking-canon because people could show up from different time periods that absolutely weren't there and battles can go a completely different way than the way they actually did. <laughs> what about Shakespeare Bollocks. and Darth Vader from the Shakespeare book? There's Shakespeare <laughs> Star Wars. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. This I'm is all canon. Personally. It's all uh, real. People, there's pink Vaders at, at conventions and like... Get out of town. People want that stuff. They're so dumb. No, it, sure. it's a fucking video game. If you're going to keep the single-player canon, that's fine. But your multiplayer is non-canon and we know it. So why are you trying to make an argument for the strength of canon? Mm. Bullshit. <sighs> Bullshit. That It's it's certainly be like, well, uh, you know, in Overwatch, Tracer was never in the Olympics, so why would we give her an Olympics costume, guys? Oh god. <laughs> like, it's that kind of it's that kind of <laughs> bullshit. We're like, well, there's a canon story. Oh yes, to the game where where there's literally no sides and you're placed on teams and the good guys And every battle is completely non-canon and makes no sense that yeah, it's even like happening. that would yes, be like if Overwatch was like, Oh, well, we can't have a character do this. It 
Your game, it doesn't matter in the gameplay. Christmas doesn't exist in this universe. Why is she wearing a Santa hat of all things? It's preposterous, <laughs> I tell you, preposterous. Oh, we can't have this. Oh, no, 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 no. Bullshit. It's, you know, again, just an excuse. And frankly, you're the biggest fucking publisher in the world. Oh, you can't make that model work? Come up with a different one then. Like, oh, map packs don't work. We've known map packs didn't work for the last 10 fucking years. Let me tell you, they split the community. They don't have a good enough buy rate. You just look at what happened in the original Star Wars where it was impossible for a couple of months after launch to find a queue for any of the DLC content because no one fucking played it. We knew this was a problem. Come up with a different model then that doesn't involve slaving the entire game to a progression model that nobody likes yeah nobody likes it hey uh, maybe just like make a good game <laughs> whoa 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 don't nah, be ridiculous wait a minute. Oh, stop it you're talking wait crazy no comment no comment, no comment. Right. <laughs> that that is crazy that this year two of the biggest games destiny 2 and battlefront 2 are literally mm. the first game just with a bunch of issues from the first one fixed and then re-released like there's very little not like a lot fixed though like i think destiny true. 2 had its honeymoon period and now everyone's realizing the same fucking problems that were in the first oh, game, game here as well there's nothing to do and it's yes. uh, repetitive totally and terrible yeah different yeah. totally different problems though totally different problems because I'm, I'm a huge huge destiny nerd and it's a can you explain the difference between the problems because i didn't uh, play the first one so there was a there was a concept that the idea that destiny had no end game in the first game and that's actually not true destiny actually had a very good end game for those that were up for it because it was a random loot grind and it was a right. cadence around the raid schedule okay that was actually very enjoyable for players that, that got a lot out of that um what they've done now is that they've removed that completely so you go through what's a fairly mm. average campaign and then because all loot rolls are static now there's actually nothing to grind for and oh. the gear that is static is extremely poorly designed so one of the benefits or the beauty of destiny one is that it had these incredible weapons that you were like fuck yeah i finally got a galahorn there is no galahorn in destiny 2 there is no weapon that you look at and you're like holy shit yes so you know imagine diablo with no fun loot um, I, we don't have to imagine that. That was Diablo 3 for a year after launch. Exactly. Correct. 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 It's essentially that, you know. So it's a very different type of problem for Destiny 2 versus Destiny 1. But yeah, agreed. It came out and it didn't meet fans' expectations, which is... But on the, on the flip side, Des and I think this is what they did with Star Wars, is, is they released Destiny and, and, and Battlefront with not really any story. And then this new thing, they're like, we're going to sell you the same game but with a story and in both cases mediocre at best just it existed just so they could say they did it and they resold you the same game yeah but then took away a bunch of other stuff that people liked because yeah fuck it oh i can't even begin to say how much i i, I don't know I, I don't know how much they really learned from the first one not much not much exactly. no let's say not all right let's take a break when we come back we're Weirdly enough, kind of covered part of the news there and also covered news that we didn't have before the show because that article wasn't out. But hey, we'll find something. You're watching the Co-Optional Podcast. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. And you might think that I left the message at the bottom of the screen from last time and that was a mistake. But you would be incorrect because we're still talking about Battlefront. <laughs> oh, <God>. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. More specifically... A story that dropped pretty much right after we went off the air last week. Which was, Hawaii is a little bit pissed 
as is Belgium, I believe, with EA. There France were, and Australia. I found France and Australia are also pretty bothered by it as well. So EA apparently thought, well, I see an overloading camel here, and I've got I've got a bunch of straw. I just want to pile it on there. I want to pile as much straw in there as possible. Oh, it, the, the camel snapped in half. That I couldn't have possibly seen that coming. Nobody could have known that camels were this complicated. So as it turns out, a representative from Hawaii, which, yes, is a U.S. state, are a little bothered by the whole idea of what they called a Star Wars-themed casino in a fairly lengthy press conference that was cut down to about four or five minutes. You've probably seen the video by now. If you have not, then by all means, do go and take a look at it because... Ooh, yeah. Um, good viewing. It is good viewing, although I have to say there are kind of worrying shades of the Senate hearings in the 90s when it came to video games. It's, just, it's really not what we're looking for. So thanks, EA, for that, you know, for, for bringing its stuff back in because we definitely wanted more government oversight. And throughout this presentation, they get some interesting opinions from different people, including... Uh, person that plays a game as well and they describe it as predatory gambling like practices aimed at children through a star wars like casino they also which disney was probably not very happy about at all compared it to tobacco when they said that um i think it was i can't remember what was it joey the camel joe or whatever camel. yeah joe camel yeah, was not allowed right. to advertise His cigarettes to the children it was a I, penis. That is I not don't what know they what in the video. No, <laughs> I don't know what Joe Camel is, but apparently we did not allow that mascot to advertise cigarettes to Wait, children. You've never so seen him before? no, it was, oh, it was around when I was a kid. Yeah. In America, yeah, I don't think it ever made it to the yeah, UK. Yeah, I must have missed it. Mm. Yeah, kids always like it's the camel. That's not good. That great cigarette camel, yay! Yeah, so they're being pretty pissed about it. In a representative, Chris Lee, who actually just released a video today called Game On Together We Can Stop Predatory Gaming Practices, who seems to have a relatively good grasp of the issue, I have to be honest. It wasn't a particularly alarmist video. There was definitely a bit of someone please think of the children in there. But to be fair, a lot of gambling regulation, things like tobacco regulation, alcohol regulation, are there for that very reason. Clutch your pearls. Mm. Yep. Bit of pearl clutching. No <laughs> doubt about that. Could it go way off the deep end? Yes, it absolutely could. But ultimately, I think most of the points there were pretty fair, frankly. And yeah. well, fuck you, EA, for getting us into this mess. Well done, you idiots. <sighs> <laughs> That press conference was such a beautifully orchestrated event as well. Like the quotes that he used, like he used, it's a trap. Yes. And, uh, and he and was very straight faced about it. It's a trap. Yeah, he was. Like, he was. Straight <laughs> up. Like, he, he, we were saying before, he clearly like briefed his staff. He's like, when I say that line, everyone keep a straight face. Okay. Yep. No one smirk. Otherwise they'll know. You <laughs> no know? one laugh. No one laugh. That one's so, for the kids, not the people right. in this room. Uh -huh. Correct. But, uh, this one is but so no, easy it's good. a meme. It's good that it's good to spread our message. That's right. Literally, though, that's no, it's smart. Good, it's 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 good that these sorts of conversations are being had by legislate uh, legislators. I know it's scary the idea that like government gets involved in regulating etc. Yes, it but is. The idea of self regulation in this context is just nonsense. And even today, we, we saw this a new entity spring up, which oh, is a, yeah, that thing. a group of experts or something who 
have set up this super unprofessional ragtag operation yeah. to represent the needs of gamers against unscrupulous publishers. I mean, those people would immediately get laughed out of any boardroom they tried to step into. I'm not sure Self- how they aim to self-regulate. I mean, they're basically, their under- the understanding of their model is, well, it's a list of name and shame, basically, from what I can there's tell. Lots of, there's lots of ways you could do it. They could develop some new standard that has like a, a new label that goes on a box if it has microtransactions to warn consumers. Yeah, but then you've got to get the, consumer, the uh, publisher to agree to put it on the box in the first place, right? That's the point. Publishers will very often agree to something also, like that. Also, how many boxes do we have anymore? Also, Correct. Point. there's all yeah. sorts of things. You know, don't get me. My point is, my point is that self-regulation is not reliable. Like, you know, it, it's not a way that you can say, "Oh well, it's being self-regulated, no problem." It's very often a good way to go about it. It's very often a terrible way to go about well, it. Well, when you look at regulation, for the most part, it only occurs when people have effed up enough trying to yeah. self-regulate themselves. And it's like, look, we gave you plenty of chances not to screw yes, this up. That's what the ESLB exactly. was set up for, to to stop them. It's like, we'll handle it ourselves. And they're like, okay, we'll yeah. see how it goes. And then needless to say, what happened when this stuff came out initially and we asked the ESRB about it, they rebuked it and said, no, it's not gambling, it's fine. I'm like, yeah. well, we don't believe that that's true. And apparently neither does Mr. Chris Lee, Representative Hawaii, and at least three other representatives from different governments in the world. So you, yeah, yeah, this is what happens when your self-regulatory body didn't self-regulate. I mean, And, and, and of course, then people can say, well, once you start regulating, you lead down the path to like too much regulation. Slippery slope argument fallacy. But if people had just done their damn jobs and not been shitbags to begin with, it wouldn't be an issue. So, like, yeah, they, they pushed it too take, far. You need to take some blame, uh, uh, corporate world for causing this shit to happen. Like, yes, constant greed, not necessarily a good thing. Who knew? Oh, they they pushed it too far, and they also got the backs up of enthusiast gamers. You know, we call them cool. I I like the term enthusiast. I think that's good. You know, people yeah. that are into it have some industry knowledge. And are also a little bit activist about it. You know, they're protective of it. They have invested yeah. a lot of time in it. They're passionate about it. Those are not the kind of people you want to piss off, especially not in large numbers, because sure. they literally went and said to the government, oh, for the love of God, get involved in this, because this is ridiculous. This is actually ruining our industry. Yeah, yeah. Oops. Well, uh, I mean, I think there's quite a few people salty at EA right now for doing that. Yeah, because it's it's they've created regulations where they didn't need to have them before acting like assholes. And now everyone gets to suffer because of that shit. Same thing with all every time someone does something dumb and government gets gets involved. It's like we don't fucked it up for everyone now. So, like, let's learn the new rules. Assholes. This is. Yeah, this year was so bad. Like not just with Battlefront, but like Shadow of War. Like we had a lot of games. Never speed. Blatant. Spend money. Spend money. Spend money. You know. And I. So I, think- I, I have this theory. I have this theory that 2017 was the worst year in the history of video games, even though it had some of the best video games ever released. I feel as though the industry for the very first time took tangible steps backwards Mm. and is a worse industry at the end of this year than it was when it started. Because every year has good 
games. Every year has that, but not every year has the kind of structural and systemic change that we're seeing going on in the AAA space right now. I think it has very lasting impacts and sets us on a very dangerous trajectory. So I feel as though this is, because uh, I know things like, you know, online passes and DLC and on disc DLC and et cetera, they all sucked. But I really feel like there was a flicker of hope within those ideas that they could become better in the future if they were just, you know, whatever. Done but properly. I feel this path with gambling and monetization in this way is inherently shit. And I see the industry piling on it so aggressively that I feel as though it's the worst, the worst year in the history of video games. That's my view. I feel like we're just a lot of people splitting. Are like, we're just what? We're splitting quite a bit. There's like, I don't know. It, it Games like that, that take that approach to it, feel so much more like mobile games that I'm almost putting them in a different genre in my yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know? Like yeah. it, it feels like a split where a lot of these AAA titles, I, I'm not even necessarily considering as a real video game. A real video game. It's like, ga it's like a toy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. odd, but that's kind of what's happening mentally for me. Is yeah. is I'm splitting every game that comes out into categories. <laughs> mm. Well, and I, I think and I think that's something that as time goes on, people will have to do more and more of, but also gaming companies, consumers will start to realize the various ploys. Like when games that came out on phones were pay to win, at the beginning, that was people were just like, this is an interesting concept. It wasn't until like people caught on to what yeah. the hell was going on. They were like, well, I'm paying to win this game. And I feel like games like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Battlefront and more uh, Shadow of War and those things that have loot boxes in them. Over time, that's going to people are going to catch on. Even though right now it's mostly like the hardcore game community, people like us who are very in the industry are like, "Well, this is effed up." Most people are just starting now to catch on to like something's not right about this. And mm -hmm. when politicians are on board, you know that people are catching up to like, "Oh no, this is fucked up," and so eventually i feel like you're absolutely right dodger there's gonna be a third it's gonna be like pay to win and then games with pay to win model like it, it, mm -hmm. like added in stuff and then mostly the games that are not gonna include that shit is probably gonna be indie stuff that's yeah, actually so. kind of what it is now right yeah and and i feel that there's within that context warframe is such an interesting example i know tb's played warframe have you guys played it uh, I played well. I played a good no, amount of it so. years ago when it like Damn. first came. <laughs> like when it yeah. first came out. So Warframe is this fantastic game that is a free-to-play PC game um, that feels like a AAA game. It has a really good monetization model behind it because you don't have to spend money, but uh, you can if you want. It speeds up your progress. Okay, and that all sounds fine. The problem with this is that I really see Warframe as being the future model for all AAA games in the future because if you can get a game installed onto 100 million machines as opposed to just six or seven million because it's free to play um, and then you can monetize that in the right way then you're going to do really well but i don't think ea and the like are going to monetize it in the right way i think that they will take an ip like star wars and they'll make it a free-to-play game but the model that supports it is going to be warframe-esque 
but a very grotesque but far more predatory mm. so so i really see the warframes model as one of the most dangerous in the industry having said that you know warframe i love it and their model is right now is great because they're not greedy they give you a fair product for a fair price but if you take right. that model it's extremely malleable you can do so much damage with that model and i really think that's where AAA game is going to go in the next five years all games will be free to play and they will just monetize based on your time or your money you choose you know and that'll be the way it is so. i it is i am like looking at looking at chat and seeing what they're talking about with like double a i yeah. think the idea of double like uh, if if AAA want to go, we want to make as much money as possible, and we're gonna go free to play and give us your money. The idea of companies um, that create games like Original Sin Two are fantastic for me. I love the concept of like, okay, well, we're not an eighty person team, we're or, or like a hundred twenty person team. There's literally thirty of us, and instead of spending ten million on a game, we're gonna it's gonna be one million, and we're gonna create something awesome but it's not going to be ludicrously over the top. It's going to be a good experience though. And mm -hmm. people will slowly start to realize that just like back in the day, it was never about how beautiful your game looked or how much awesome voice acting you had. It's if the game is fun, people will mm -hmm. enjoy it. And that's yeah. what it's about at the end of the day. And so yeah. when devs start to appreciate that and see that again, then then we'll have like a new resurgence of that like double A. We don't have a ton of money, but we can produce something better than indie quality. I have doubts about things going the way that you're theorizing there. And the reason for that is that while we've heard a lot about very high-profile, terrible models this year, Shadow of Mordor, Need for Speed, Star Wars Battlefront 2, they are still, even in the AAA big publisher space, the minority of games. The quite small minority of yeah, games. absolutely. Absolutely. The thing about free to play is that generally free to play games are a fairly large time investment which means that you can't really play a huge number of them over the course of a year and as far as i'm concerned if you transition all of your games over to this never-ending treadmill kind of model then you're going to see the industry effectively collapse because there's only so much there's a finite amount of time that exists within the total potential consumer base. Yeah. Finite amount. And some people will only play one game for years, but an awful lot more people like to buy whatever is the latest and greatest and play whatever is the latest and greatest. Yeah. And you will not but, be able to do that if you go down that free-to-play model that is but, time but, versus money. Because all of those games have- that already with like major happening. companies? Yeah, are already like, okay, well, we're gonna produce less and less variety and more and more of the exact same game, new iteration. Right. EA, I mean, sure. Activision, no, no, but Activision put out two games this year. They put out Call of Duty and they put out Destiny. EA yep. put out three games this year. Um, mm -hmm. Andromeda, uh, Need for Speed, and uh, I think, forgetting all the sports games, they put out sports games for sure. But beyond but that, same, but what about same thing, reiteration. What about Ubisoft? What about... For sure. Bethesda? Now, what Correct. about the other large publishers? What about Nintendo? What about Sony first party? What about Microsoft Absolutely. first party that aren't doing those things? 
For sure. But but my point is those are the two biggest publishers that are making the most money in the industry right now. They are the most successful from a dollar perspective. If you're an investor and you were looking to put your money somewhere, you would put it with Activision at EA because you'd get the best return, except for the case of, in the case of Nintendo because they're crushing at the moment. True. But, but didn't, we, the didn't we also argue earlier that both of those companies have shifted towards a more casual marketplace and are alienating a fairly significant number of gamers in the process? Sure, but with but that we, said... That's where the go. money is. Like, that's how yeah. you make money. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, is it, though? Because, you know, this is what I'm not entirely convinced about it. And the reason is, like, you look at Ult Ultimate Team, seems like that is obviously the way to go in terms of money, right? But you got to think to yourself, what competition do they have in that space in terms of a licensed football game? The answer is they don't have any competition in that space at all. It's gone. They have an effective monopoly over that genre. So what choice do you have if you want a football game? What choice do you want if you want a licensed NFL game, licensed NBA game? Well, that's what happens you when you have you all have the money one. in the world. You can pay yeah, you for have, that stuff yeah, and you block have a people out. That. But there's only a finite number of licensed franchises that you can do that with. And they've kind of hit that wall at this point. You know, you might argue they're trying to do it with Star Wars. EA is the only company that can make AAA Star Wars games right now. As to whether or not they're going to be the only company for very long, with Disney being as pissed as they are, it's a different matter entirely. Mm. But in terms of all of those big games that we've been talking about when it comes to those egregious business models, they're all big licensed franchises. And the games which were successful this year in the majority weren't. Which makes me think that, yeah, some of the industry's going that way. But I think... It's part of the industry that's aimed at a casual and not loyal player base in areas where these companies have monopolies. And the rest of the gaming space is kind of open for the taking, which is why I don't think everything is going in that direction. No, you're right. You're right. Everything is not the right word. I think it is the big budget stuff, the big license stuff, the big the stuff that Activision and EA and the like will put out will go that model. But you're right. There's definitely, there's always going to be a space for AA, for B grade for whatever you want to call it, indie stuff. There's always going to be a market for that because there's people who love making video games. You know, like you, all of us as content creators, we could shovel out heaps of shit onto our channels and probably make more money and get more views, but we don't because we respect what this industry is and what we do. And as a result, we try and put out a good product. You know, it's the same with the games industry as well. There's always going to be those people that actually care about this and it's less about the money and more about the product. You know? And I still I think they're in the majority. I'd love to know the perspective of, uh, like a twelve-year-old. Yeah, or, so true. Or like like a a young a young kid growing up, like a young gamer. Because in my mind, I definitely do not see them. Like I picture them more towards the tablet, phone side of gaming, and that's their like experience with gaming. I think there's a substantial group of that that's Nintendo based and based yeah. around handhelds and things like that. But the vast majority of younger gamers I see are in that sort of handheld uh, uh, playing with something on their tablet variety. I just don't know whether the influence they have is more good, solid Nintendo games and they're experiencing things like Zelda and Mario or if they are more focused on a game that's like, oh, well, it's Star Wars, but I but like I have to like, yeah. yeah like that kind of stuff yeah. right and so yeah. I don't I would love to know a study or something that shows you statistics on what younger gamers 
play because I feel like that determines what the hell the future is going to be like, not us, despite our desires to be like, hear us scream. That's what the real, the real thing is going to be about. So we'll see. I have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I wonder if idle games, you know, the games where you just click on the the screen. I wonder if they would have existed were it not for the like kids playing them. You know what I mean? (laughs) It just like get something out of that. You know, I think you're so right about that. Yeah, there's there's definitely something there that will, and I guarantee as a gaming company, publishers, they probably have all that information and I guarantee Mm. they use that shit like crazy, but, and I'm aware, I'm aware chat that we have many years left of gaming in us, but 18, you know, 13 to 18 is where the gaming market resides and that's where people give a shit. Despite the average Uh, gamer age being 30. I don't know if that's where the money is, you know, that's the demo with the least disposable income on the planet. Yeah, crazy. Crazy how that is. Weird. Yeah. It's it's a it's uh, it's it would be fascinating to know. I guarantee yeah. that information's out there somewhere, but like I picture the future being oh well it's all going to be mobile-based games and games that appear to be like I can take it on the go and I can do this with it. But I want to b- truly believe that in that even though that might be the case, and even though I'm like, I like to sit down and play games. I don't want to be like, uh, when I'm out doing stuff, I want to be out doing stuff. I want to believe that, like, if that's the way we're going to go, we're going to have more of that Nintendo quality and about an experience that doesn't require you to pay a shit ton of money instead of, like, you know, mm-hmm. the mobile side of Nintendo. <laughs> I guess I guess it's a terrible example. But, you know, yeah, when you're yeah. playing the mobile side of Nintendo games where it's like, buy the shit. I don't know. I yeah. I guess I don't know. Mm. your next guest uh john should be a 12 year old then just get them Indeed. on the show also and, with the uh, mind of a 12 year old just grill the mind of a 12 year old there's a lot yeah. of those on the i'll email northern lion after the show no problem <laughs> that said we also sit in a market where PUBG has earned the most money this year most likely at least in, in terms of a game that you have balls. to yeah game of year for an early access game that barely works yeah that sounds good i yeah, man. I, in terms I, of a game with a price on the front of it. I, I would love to see information about the influence of streamers, too. Because a lot of the games this year Huge. that were very, very popular Huge. truly should not have been as popular as they are, but 100%. got that way because streamers pushed the shit out of them. Sure, a yeah. great yeah, example... Yeah. Go on, sorry. A great example is For Honor. I think For Honor is a game that blew up because streamers were paid to promote that. Streamers ju- and then those who weren't paid jumped on because other streamers were doing it. Yeah. And for a good month there, For Honor was everywhere. And then yeah. dropped off immediately. Yep. And I feel mm. like that demonstrates to me the awesome power that streamers have. And because so many streamers continue to play PUBG, it still has an audience. It's a, and it's the same effect that YouTube had on Minecraft, right? And so I'm curious how that's going to affect things in 2018 where advertisers go, how things work. It's fascinating to me. This industry is ultra fascinating. Yeah. I think with the for honor example, I don't necessarily know it was streamers that made that game successful. I think it was the unique concept and I think it doff like fell off a cliff because of the bugs and the balancing and because it wasn't very good. Yeah. Yeah. In the end, it wasn't very good, unfortunately, but I think you're absolutely right about the streamer point though. And I, and I, and I, you know, chatting to publishers and developers, they all say to me, they're like, you know, the game needs to be more streamable. Oh, we're worried our game isn't streamable enough. We have to make sure our game is streamable. It's such a thing they think about during development yeah. now. 
they think about how would this look if an audience was watching it on Twitch. And that is such a weird thing for a developer to have to think but about. It's, but it's dude. totally true. There's a lot yeah. of games that I'll get sent to me where I'm like, well, that looks interesting, but I don't have time to play it in my life unless mm. I want to play it for a video or on a stream. And that doesn't look very streamable. Like there's yeah. times where I'm like, that's a cool concept, but boy, does that look boring to watch. Like yeah, a lot of it comes down to, you know, <laughs> Well, you know, you, there's well, ways you can do that, especially if you, game. Yeah, if, you, if you do, uh, if you do <laughs> a co-op and that, you can make it entertaining. But a lot of it is like, how does the game convey what's good about it through a non-interactive means? Like, is it so reliant on the streamer to make it entertaining or does it actually kind of sell itself that way? There are some games that definitely do and there are other games that absolutely do not. And true, you won't get the retention there for the player base. All right. Uh, other minor news that kind of sucks to hear anyway uh, so marvel heroes is officially dead and it died quite quickly in fact they announced that it would be wrapping up by i think by january of next year and then a couple of days later they just fired everybody and canned the entire thing this is while people were trying to get money back considering it only actually launched a few months ago on playstation did you get any of the money back well of fucking course you didn't and there's another reason why buying in-game items that you can't cash out of your system is probably not a very good idea if you can avoid it. You never know when games like this are going under. And it's surprising because Marvel Heroes was doing relatively well. And, you know, it wasn't setting the world on fire, but it was doing okay. It had a dedicated player base. And then it was just like, gone. Mm. Just the hand of the mouse came down and wiped it off the face of the planet. So that's that dead that sucks i put a, quite a lot of time into that game it was pretty fun it was but, not a bad game i remember playing right. it for a few hours and thinking i can see the appeal but uh, yeah, yeah was... i had to speed run characters to max level and it was pretty fun to do that but mm. never mind that's dead now according to yep. spiel times there's going to be a there are plans for a mobile version of PUBG. uh 10 cent yeah, Tencent acquired the exclusive rights in China, I believe, to this. There are already tons of uh, quick-to-market competitors to this on mobile. I've seen a lot of them. What? Battle Royale mobile games? Yes, if you can actually believe that. How? What? Do they this use just like controllers, or do they yes. use... Like, oh, yes, they're terrible. It. Yeah, absolutely awful, wow. but doesn't matter. People really want that and they played it anyway so i still think it's shocking people play mobile moba games i can't figure out yeah, why or how they do it and that's a yeah. thing sam actually plays a couple of those and oh my god i can't figure it out like there's clearly some genres that i will never understand and i feel like that's yeah. just that's my version of kids these days and their music i don't get it like i think that's what it is i'm just like i don't know how i don't know how i even play that it's garbage and <laughs> still people love it it's crazy yeah. to me i wonder if it's just because there's no alternative and what i and probably we, we don't i think there's a i think as gamers we assume that almost everything is accessible to us but the reality is the difference between having one cent on a credit card and having no credit card is the gi most gigantic difference in the world you know yep. so for those people that don't have a credit card there's literally no way for them to play these games they're like well this is the best i can do let's do yeah. it you know mm. it's yeah that's possible and i mean that's where you go back to the kids market now those are probably mm. the people who are playing that on mobile it's like they have they don't necessarily have a pc it wouldn't matter if they have a console they could play fortnite but they can't play PUBG yet 
So like, yeah. oh, well, there's probably a clone on my mobile phone. You know, I've watched my own kid play clones of stuff on his mobile because that happened to be the only thing he had at the time. Mm. Yeah. yeah, there's a market I mean, for it. My my most viewed video on my channel with like nearly 1.5 million views is a shitty, shitty Fortnite tips video that I put <laughs> together in like three hours because the demand for that game is so astronomically ridiculous oh, yeah. that you just make a video on it and immediately just goes through the yep. roof. You work on other stuff for two weeks and it gets like 20k views, but because the free-to-play market is so massive, there's just so many people that, you know, yep. seek that out. So Very true. it's absolutely true. Mm. I think uh, this is a nice one. This is more of a, I'm just sort of laughing at it. Nintendo always goes in different directions when it comes to this stuff. They're to start offering in-game power-ups via cereal boxes. Oh, that's cool. Which actually is not new. That like, is old school. That is an yeah. old model. This one, of that course, super old school. Is I'm going to buy some kicks right now. Gonna so, of course, yeah, this one's a little bit Gold more high-tech. You know, it's a, it's a, basically it's the box is an amiibo, essentially. So yeah. it's NFC technology. Back in the day, you'd open up a box and maybe like get a cheat code, or you'd get like a free demo disc or something along those lines. Or you know, in the brief lifetime yeah. of the barcode battler, go to go to this yeah. GeoCity website and put yeah. in this code, and you'll get yeah. Yeah. Yep, That's but... awesome, though. I love this idea. Does anyone hate this idea? I really like this idea. I think um, it's just cool. Not really, because, you know, it, it's just, it's just power-ups. As far as I can tell, it's not, you know, it's not in-game content per se. It's just like, oh, you can scan this and get extra lives or whatever, like XP bonuses and stuff. I'm not massively concerned about it. You know, it's just, it's a neater way, I guess, of implementing the whole XP boost on a monster can kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I just... It's I so hope... typically fucking Nintendo, though. You reckon? Yeah, I do reckon. Right, because it's what, cereal boxes for kids? Well, yeah, you know, right. and uh, pushing this uh, mo pushing this whole Amoeba model, because, of course, you know, the Amoeba model's now gone into cards. You know, NFC can be embedded into cards, mm. so you don't necessarily have to attach it to a physical statue or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah, you could totally do NFC-related giveaways with it. And they're disposable. You know, these these are things that apparently will only like work once or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just upset that the Mario cereal apparently is just Lucky Charms, but with what? Mario stuff. I'm looking at it right cereal. now. It says Super Mario cereal. It's what they're. It looks like what they're trying to. They say it's not the final box art, but it literally is just Lucky Charms with Mario stuff instead of. Yeah, heart it's got stars, a little clover, colored mushrooms and moons. Yeah. A box, box you know, of golden the... rainbows and the red balloons. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'll oh, never lucky charms. all alone. <laughs> I'm offended that I all mean... lucky charm cereals have to have racial stereotypes. The Irish guy <laughs> and now an Italian plumber? Racist as shit. Yeah. As to whether or not that will actually come to fruition is a different matter entirely. That was merely a report on the subject, and the box was, of course, a mock up. But it would not in any way surprise me, and it's entirely possible. NFC technology lets you do that. No question about it. So, yeah, sure, why not? And it would hardly be the first time that in-game content has been given away through other products. I'd buy it just because it has Mario on it. I bought Fruit me Snacks too. the other day because it had Mario on it. I was mm. like, Mario Fruit Snacks? Shit, I'll buy these. I Good remember, investment. 
the best thing ever was a happy meal, happy meal and the toy was Mario Karts. We have that right now. Yeah. No right way. Right now. There's That's Mario amazing. toys. I was at, uh, where the hell was I? There's some place that is Mario McDonald's. toys and a happy meal. Okay, I don't think right. it was Mike McDonald's. It could be though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if it was a happy meal, it would have been it's McDonald's. McDonald's I, yeah. I, I'm from the Midwest. I call every kid's meal a happy meal. Doesn't oh, matter. Right. Okay. Everything's right. a happy meal. So you're just wrong yeah, then. Yeah. All right. Good to know. <laughs> Everything's a happy meal. All right. Let's head to releases. Uh, this is going to be a fairly barren week, which is yeah, unsurprising. A lot of games were bad, guys. <laughs> we're getting into December. People don't generally release a huge number of games in December. So. There isn't a lot, but there are a few things that we did find. So we will talk to you a little bit about what they are. Um, All right. I think I'm first. I, I grabbed this game. It's called Bystander uh, because it literally looks like Papers, Please. It looks a ton like... That's actually I, exactly what my wife said this morning when she saw it. It's like, that looks like Papers, Please. Yep. It looks exactly like it. And I'm just like, is it made by the same people? Doesn't look like it. It's, it's just it's papers please and it's coming into early access it's just bizarre mm -hmm. Fair have enough. an opportunity to become an agent for tracking the network that doesn't look too bad it just looks quite derivative no yeah um the other one that i grabbed for this day is it's quiz time which goes along with what we were talking about before yeah it's a, using another mobile it's another mobile device thing yeah, it's a it's a trivia game where a bunch of people log in on their phones, and it looks like uh, there's a like a Twitch integration with it and stuff too. So okay, yeah. So they're bringing out a remaster of the worst Star Ocean game, which seems like a pretty stupid idea, but they're doing it anyway. Star Ocean: The Last Hope 4K and Full HD remaster. Can't say I'm massively interested in that, but. You know, in a week of not very significant games, it is a game. So, there you go. Cool. Jesse? Uh, the next one is uh, a game called Black Mirror. Not at all about the TV show. No. Nope. But is apparently the remake of an older game that I yes. never played, clearly. Um, yeah, it's by King Art. Isn't that the German guys that made uh, Book of Unwritten Tales, possibly, or something like that? Yes, that's exactly who it is. Yep. And so, um, yeah, it's a gothic horror adventure, and uh, it looks pretty cool. It's it's inspired by Poe and Lovecraft, and I figured it's definitely something, uh, if you want to get like creeped out, probably worth the look. Also, Switch release of Resident Evil Revelations coming today on September, uh, November the 28th, so there you go. All right, moving on to November the 29th. Only one that we really found there that was of any kind of interest. It, is this the right one? Uh, I think there's two La Tales. Uh, I think it's this one instead. Yeah, as this is actually a relaunch of a 2D side-scrolling MMO, which I don't know why it came off Steam in the first place, but it's there now. It looks fairly reasonable from what I can tell. Screenshots look pretty good. Reminds me a lot of Dungeon Fighter Online and some of those side-scrolling Asian MMOs. So, yeah, that's about it on November the 29th. Uh, so... <laughs> Why did you do I, this? I snagged a day for a kitten. 
and uh, in the game you play a cat. It says you can eat, uh, grind your paws, which I guess is how they say. The hell is this? Making biscuits. Uh, love and work in the garden, street or your own house. Great. Right. It's yes. a it's a it's a kitty RPG. Uh-huh. It's cute. Stop this. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the other one that I grabbed is called Baptism. It's a visual novel, but it looks weird, and I'm super into it. Baptism is a short kinetic novel about a madman, a child, and a lake. No one has faces in this game. I gotta mm. play it. It's like a new Ubisoft title. An Assassin's Creed joke. Ah, okay, <clears throat> nobody has. Ah, I see. PC port of Skyforce Reloaded, which was a mobile game for a while, and actually a pretty damn competent scrolling shooter. So they've got that. So if you're in the market for one of those, then this would be one of them, and not a bad one at that. Outside of that, on November 30th, we got a couple of releases on Switch Siberia 2, Star Ghost, and Serial Cleaner, alongside Opus, The Day We Found Earth, and Arcade Archives. Those are all coming out on Switch as well. Moving on to December the 1st, Dodger. Uh, Swordmaster. Sword. Ma- yes. Yeah, so- you pronounced the W. You landed that W so well. Yep. Thank you. S Word. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. It is. It, it looks kind of like a weird maybe boggle game yeah it's it's a boggle battle game by the looks of it yeah interesting I'm idea for one okay <laughs> that's I'm fair. into that so there you go one i found which i'm not hugely hopeful for but is kind of neat because i really liked sim ant back in the day is empires of the undergrowth which is a ant colony management game with a real-time strategy element to it and actually looking at it it looks a little bit dungeon keeper and a little bit sim ant i'm into that idea is in early access, so I'll wait for it to come out for real, but actually looks pretty neat, honestly. If they managed to nail that, that would be cool. Also noteworthy, Doom VFR. The VR version of Doom coming out on December the 1st on PC. Also, Ralph, you noticed the big one of the week, which is, of course... Yes. Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Did you guys Xenoblade play 2. Xenoblade Chronicles X or the original Xenoblade Chronicles? Never got around to it. They... Heard great things. We're good. Xenoblade Chronicles had a really great story. Xenoblade Chronicles 2X, sorry, had uh, this awesome mech setup where you could like pilot yeah. these giant Japanese. It was just amazing. I loved it. It was a terrible game at the end game because it was horribly grindy. But I'm actually really looking forward to this. It's just a really nice JRPG on the Switch, high budget JRPG on the Switch. And um, it's a good series. So check it out. It's right. the last big game release of the year, really, isn't it? It is the last. I can't think of anything else. Release. Like, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Because after that, in on December second, there's nothing. Yeah, you're right. There's nothing third. Yeah, you're right. No, uh, we didn't find anything on December the second and December the third. And last, but by every means least. So you did pick a couple out here. Okay, these are my two picks for December the fourth. It's a uh-huh. it's a red letter day in gaming. Number one is Government Simulator, which I think the actual logo for this game really tells you everything you need to know about it. It's just this gray, shitty, brown, crappy background that just reeks of boredom. And it's just a And I'd probably be quite into this, actually. I I played a bunch (laughs) of- You know what? I played a bunch of Democracy 3 and I liked it. And I used to play old government simulators on the old microcomputers back in the day. I would actually play this 
Like, so would I. I'm not although, even joking. That's why I'm, I love to make fun of it because I'm like, I actually plan to play this game now that I've seen it. I think it, Democracy so. 3 is probably better, but yeah, I would actually play that. Yeah, and yeah. why why did you choose this? I, I have to know. <laughs> Look at how amazing this game looks. Okay, oh, tell me you would not lay down big dollars for this game. Never I would lay me. down big dollars to make this game go away forever. <laughs> it's literally Abs just no. It's, just it's a memory no. like match two game with pictures of memes, and that's it, buddy. That's all you're paying for. So that's gonna be my December fourth. It's gonna be a great day. Yeah, I'm you 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 enjoy that. That's all I, I can say. You enjoy it. That, those are the only things that we could find that's on the release the list. That's the best of the best. That's the best <laughs> yeah. we could come that's up with. There's literally the best games on this list of like... It's going to be like this for the rest of the month, y'all. There's about 150 like the the games on the list, and that's what we found. I'm sorry. We can't make good games appear out of nowhere. I apologize. This is a mm -hmm. backlog month. You you look at look at look back at the year and say, "Oi, there's a bunch of great games I'm played." Now is the time to do it because you're not missing anything. Don't worry. Wait, wait, wait. When? Oh, that's right. Because Akami is not this week. It's next week, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I believe it is next week. Yeah, yeah. yeah, actually, that's the one. That's like the only that's good the, thing. That's in your one. Yeah, that's my one for December. And then good excuse to play Akami again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be yeah. up for that. Oh, and Shadow of the Colossus is fair. I played Shadow of the Colossus Remaster, by the way. It is amazing. Really? Is oh, that's so, so good to hear. So gorgeous. And it's like, it's an entirely different game when you make it look that good. It is mm. so breathtaking. I cannot wait for that. Cool. Mm. Right. Well, that is about it, I think, for the Corruptional Podcast today. Thank you very much for watching, but would love to let you know what's going on for the rest of the week. Ralph, thank you very much for getting up so early to take part in the show today. Where can we find you and what are you up to this week? Um, this week I'm reviewing Assassin's Creed Origins. I probably won't have a video out this weekend though, because it's my one year anniversary with my wife and we are going oh, to- Oh, happy Congratulations. Thank you. So, uh, we're doing that, but, uh, you can find me on my main channel, Skill Up. Uh, you can Google that and you'll find a whole bunch of business training organizations and you'll eventually find <laughs> my channel. Um, and I also have a channel called Layman Gaming, which I recommend you avoid at all costs. It is terrible, low tier trash clickbait. But, you know, if that's your thing, then that's your thing. That's it. There's a market for that's it. Me. There's a big market for it. And we have Indeed. a lot. Of, I do it with my brother, actually. We just do it to have fun and we've had a blast. So that's really why that channel exists. Fair enough. Jesse, what's going on this week? What's going on? Hey, I want to use my time to promote myself at the end here to say that articles are now appearing uh, that state this is a headline Star Wars Battlefront 2 Data Miner discovers hidden character customization menu not included in the game. This is a, develop oh this is a development, man. This is development. Good. Yeah, so, you know, they can't customize stuff, but it exists in the game. Yes, so, of all right, course. Yeah, that's what I want to take the time to share. Can't do it, hilarious. but we coded it anyway. Yeah, sure, right, okay. Ah, Dodger, what's coming up this week? What's going on? Hi, guys. I'm at Dex Bonus on everything, and you should check out my coffee company at dodgercoffeeco.com and uh, read Last Man, because it's great. There we go. There you go. Some videos probably coming out this week if I can find a game that I'm actually interested in playing. I think I just got horribly depressed after the new Colossus, but I'm sure I'll find something. I'd like to, of course, mention that our new store, after about a year, is up for all of your Total Biscuit and Cynical Bit related merch at totalbiscuit.shop. However, if you're watching live right now, maybe wait until Wednesday. We have a shipping error right now, which causes items of different ranges to be sent as separate shipments, which doubles the shipping cost. That is not intentional. That's supposed to be fixed by tomorrow morning Pacific time. 
So I'd hold off till then if you're watching the VOD of this on YouTube or you're listening to it on iTunes. That should have already been resolved. So TotalBiscuit.shop is the place to go. We've brought back all of the most popular designs we had over the last five years and a new one as well and a selection of hats. So by all means, head on over to TotalBiscuit.shop and have a look at that. That, I think, is about it for us for the week. Thank you very much for watching the Co-Optional Podcast. And we'll be back the same time next week, 3 p.m. Eastern. That is 8 p.m. in the British Isles, 9 p.m. Central European time at twitch.tv slash Total Biscuit. Goodbye.